Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Michael, and joining me today is Chris Washer 97 Good evening, Chris. Good morning to you. Yes, it is morning, and more importantly for us, it is the first episode of Season 5 of Endurance Chat. Yes, we are back for another season of whatever this is, um, and we're going to kick it off straight away with uh, the first big endurance event of the year, the Daytona 24 Hours for 2020. Uh, are you excited for this event, Chris? Uh, more so because I'm actually going to the event this year. <laughs> um, I found a really cheap flight, and that, I mean, it was kind of hard not to go for it, and I'm going to Florida for the Rolex 24 for my first ever IMSA race. Nice! That's cool. So, never been to an IMSA race before. You, you're you based in Wisconsin, if I'm right? Like, out in the sticks? Out, what, do you, what do you guys call it? Out in the boonies? Is that what you say? Uh, I, w- I am, you know, born and raised in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, but I yeah, okay. currently reside in Green Bay, so... And that makes it easier for public transit, which, you know, which I don't have a car anymore until yeah. like February. So it makes it a hell of a lot easier. Nice. And so making the trek all the way down to Florida for the big, the big one, the 24 the hour event for the IMSA series. Yeah. I mean, the only sports cars I kind of went to was the SRO America round and uh, at Road America. Um, so that was the only time I saw GT3 cars really in the flesh besides the time I saw a few older GT3s. And Trans Am stuff when they supported the NASCAR race there. So this will be my first time seeing prototypes, uh, GTE cars, as well as like um, some of the supports as um, like T- um, some of the TCRs are going to be racing and um, the Ferrari 488 Challenge cars, which are going to be support to the event as well. So it's going to be a big weekend for you, isn't it? It's my first time flying out of state. It's my first time <laughs> flying regardless. It's wow. my first time flying out, like, you know, getting to the region, getting out of the region, because I've been in, like, Michigan and Wisconsin. That's the, really the only two states I've ever been in. And here's me going all the way to Chicago, flying to Orlando, uh, just going to Florida, you know, cross-country for a 19-year-old kid <laughs> that, that, that never really done this stuff before. It's exciting. I can't wait for it. Awesome. And, and you're not just, like, you're not going in blind by yourself, right? You, there's going to be a big group of the the R-SWC and the R-USCR guys that you're going to meet up with, right? You're not just going over there and just kind of plonking yourself in, right? Yeah, that was probably one of the only reasons I kind of went in the first place. There's already uh, a large group of people already going, and that made it so much easier on me um, with helps and tips. And plus, you know, we have a big group house that we're going to stay in. Um, they're going to the track together, getting airport rides from each other. It just, it, it definitely made the trip more easier than it could have been. Nice. Yeah. I, I remember the same thing happened for me for my first GT3 event, uh, at Bathurst, uh, having people around that I knew were going already made it a lot easier to make that jump into going to an event. Awesome. Well, Finger, fingers crossed that you have an awesome experience. Hopefully it doesn't get rained out like last year. Um, but of course we, we should actually talk about a, a little bit, just a bit of an intro onto this event, right? Cause you know, up until, up until 10 years ago, I had no idea that this thing existed and it was a bit of a surprise to me. So what is the Daytona 24 and why do people care? So if this was 10 years ago, I would have went with 
it's kind of like the all-star of American motorsport because you had IndyCar, you had NASCAR, mostly NASCAR. Um, sometimes you get a few randos out there with um, some of the Europeans out because 10 years ago, 2010, this is still with the Daytona prototypes and still with, like the Grand Am's version of GT, which is kind of like Porsche GT cars and like Ferraris and like Camaros and stuff like that all mashed together into one class. Nowadays, it's gotten way more prestigious due to the fact that you have prototypes that you have a European and some of these famous guys like Scott Dixon is going to be in a prototype this year. Um, Ryan Briscoe, um, who's normally known more for sports car racing now, but he's a former IndyCar driver. Um, Kamui Kobayashi. And there's stuff, you know, people who don't really go to IMSA. And yeah. the fact that now you have GTE cars that, you know, same cars that race at Le Mans. And then you have LMP2, uh, which is... Same cars that race at Le Mans. And then you have GT3, which you have all the, you know, big people that race GT3s come, and there's no other event that weekend for GT3, so they all come over for Daytona. And it's just a big mash of all these stars and, and, 10 years later, there's still that mix of, like, motorsports. Because you have Kyle Busch driving for the Lexus, big NASCAR star, two-time mm. champion, and a bunch of IndyCar drivers, former Formula One drivers, and just just, just um, talent in yeah. the field overall. It's like it's like the, the big mixing pot of American motorsports with all the other international talent thrown in. It's like, it's like for an Australian, it's like... Our 12 hour, uh, our Bathurst 12 hour, where we have all of the best of Australian motorsports in like the V8 supercars and whatever GT series is going or those who go overseas and do it. And then all the international stars come in and make it this big melting pot of crazy talent of, of motorsports. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, really cool event like that. Cause as you said, you, you've got IndyCar stars, you've got NASCAR stars racing up against some of the world's best prototype and GT drivers that we're more familiar with. So yeah, it's a really really interesting event and the track as well is something very unique in the world of sports cars i don't think there is any other long-standing event wherein they use a a roval and have done since the the 1960s like can you think of any like there was that that brief spell where imsa went to uh indy and used the roval there but that wasn't ever really a big event so American sports car racing, you know, they, they've been using Rovals ever since the cast started. I mean, IMSA's first race was at Pocono, which was a big uh, two-and-a-half-mile triangle. Um, and, you know, throughout the 80s and 90s, they used tracks such as uh, Phoenix, obviously Daytona. I know Homestead has a road course at Grand Am used back in the early 2000s. Uh, Indy was just one of the staple names that kind of, you know, got up there kind of. And also hmm. Iowa, if you know NASCAR, Iowa's a really, really short track, and they built a really, really small roll inside of that. Uh, not to mention the Kansas fiasco that they had, that, that joke of a track. And so rollables in American sports car racing is not uncommon. It's just not, it's, it's not, it's not just, it's just not that common for them hmm. to have a long-standing event like this that holds so much 
water to it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a different level of prestige comparing this event to some of the other events that you've mentioned. Like, I've heard of these tracks and maybe heard one or two races at these tracks and these robles, but not anything like Daytona, not anything that's in the, the Triple Crown of Endurance. I, I think the only other racetrack that i can outside of america that uses a, a roval so to speak is like the the euro speedway lausitz ring uh have you have you heard of that a track they do i think dtm and gt adac gt3 there it got bought out by decra i oh, can't well, remember what decra is um they still have dtm and i believe they still hold around of the german superbike championship but ever since then adac gt is not forcing there anymore um, also, uh, back when it was still around, Rockingham, back in the UK. Oh, yes, of course. Of I remember that one. Uh, um, only, only Oval, only time it really used the Oval was Kart back in the early 2000s. And, you know, back when Kart left, it was mainly used for the pickup truck series they have over there. Uh, so really, outside of America, yeah, Rovals aren't that, aren't that really, uh, common. Mm. And they're not really, they don't really get, uh, much use yeah and then that, that that makes this event uh kind of similar to Le Mans in the in the way that it's a very unique very high speed uh circuit I mean you're basically doing the entire oval with an additional section in the middle which is very slow uh like the 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 way to make make pace at Daytona is basically get the car as slippery as possible because the a lot of the infield section is very slow hairpins where you need a lot of um breaking into a corner and punch out of it so you really want that acceleration uh out of the corner there's really one downforce corner on the track and that is the kink and we've seen some big big moments at the kink um throughout the years so the fact that there's one downforce corner and like you could arguably say the bus stop which has its absolutely its own character you know breaking on the banking, coming off it onto flat ground and then whipping back out on the other side. But it's really a very unique challenge in the world of international sports cars. And funnily enough, it's something that I think the P2 cars really struggle with, even though they're built for Le Mans. Like, even with the Le Mans kit, the, the P2 cars don't really have, um, have the setup to, to go around the banking like the, even the Daytona prototypes or some of the GT cars do. Well, luckily for them, they are split into their own class, mm. so the P2s only have to fight the P2s. Um, but yeah, you make a very interesting point, because remember one year, I can't remember which year, is the one that level 5, quote-unquote, won and had their victory taken away. Yes. Um, they had a battle for the lead, and you can clearly see that one car was definitely better in the infield, but once you got onto the oval, they completely they were completely gone. Um they they just didn't have the power to match up with the car that was clearly better on the oval section. So it's it's an interesting challenge for these engineers to try to figure out the car if they want to have it significantly better at one part of the track and then have it sucky on another or even it out a bit and try to see if uh, that works. Because if you want like absolute lap pace around here, you do need to be very quick on the infield section. I mean, the being fast on the banking is great, but it's not really going to give you all of that speed that you would lose on the infield section. But on the other hand, if you want to pass cars, being quick on the banking is like very, very quick and easy way to be able to pass cars. Um, you know, we have also seen rain at Daytona, so this would be like the only time that they ever run uh 
the oval circuit in the rain because I think if they get a freaking sprinkle of rain in NASCAR, they immediately go off. It's like a game of cricket over there. Uh, and it's it throws out a few unique challenges. And there's a few unique things about the American way of doing things as well that can kind of... I don't know. For me, it feels like sometimes it cheapens the event, but on the other hand, it does keep things a bit closer. Things like the full course yellow procedure and, you know, the long safety cars and things like the, the, uh, the driver times, um, in the past have been very, very, um, not flexible, but very, very kind. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's go into a bit of that. So firstly, what's the, what's the full course yellow procedure in the States versus what we would see over in a European competition? In basically in America, when you see full course yellow, basically kind of means full safety car. Um, yeah. because back then, you know, when I was watching Grand Am and, you know, American Le Mans series, they threw out a double yellow flag at the start finish line. And they say full course yellow, which just basically means cautions out, pace cars on the track. Um, unfortunately, we can't really do that here, the European style, because we, insurance companies, just love to screw things up. Um, it's just basically a way to save the, the series butts, um, save the money, because if we have, you know, cars without a safety car, and they, you know, the, the chance of them just going AWOL, when the when safety workers are attending to a car is just too much, and the insurance companies might charge more for that. I'm not sure that's the exact um, idea about why we don't have them, but I'm pretty sure that plays a good part. So that what that does is that really compresses the field each time, and then there is this sequence of allowing the prototype drivers to pit and then the GT drivers to pit in adjacent laps. So what ends up happening, and then you've got the wave around as well, so what ends up happening is you end up with caution periods full course yellow periods, safety car periods that take 15 to 20 minutes each um so what that does is that not only like breaks apart the racing um into more bite-sized chunks but that also compresses the field again um and of course with the rave around it means that cars that have early issues can get back into the race so um we have seen some absolutely cracking finishes at daytona uh, but for me, at least personally, it uh, feels like sometimes that it's, uh, a little manufactured, but it does put on a great show. I mean, what, how many years ago was it where GTLM was decided by 34 thousandths of a second at the line? Was that, tw- was that 2016? Yeah, it was like the two Corvette cars literally, like, overlapping as they crossed the finish line to, to finish the race. And then it was only, I think, uh, 2017 or something where there was the top, like the the gap in prototypes was less than a second. The gap in GT Le Mans was three seconds. The gap in GTD was less than a second. It was just it it can produce some great finishing, some great racing, uh, because of these rules. But it does does make it a little slow in the middle. What are your thoughts? Like, do do you prefer the American style or do you prefer the European style? I think it's a good thing that we have this because it adds something unique to the event. Um, it's something that you can pinpoint and say, hey, Daytona has this, mm. other places do not. Um, so it adds something different about it. That's You can say that about it. And the fact that, yeah, it can be a little manufactured, it does give teams more of a reason to push on. Because if you go a lap down, if they know or if they figure that if it's still early in the race, they know that a caution can come out and they can be easily right back in it. It's more enjoyable for us, the fans. That, that there's going to be more cars in the running. And obviously, I think the team is like it as well. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think it was only a few years ago that uh, one of the teams that I was tracking, because it had one of my favorite drivers in it, the Alex Job Racing uh, number 22 Porsche, um, they went two laps down very early on the race and then through cautions, through wave rounds, they got those two laps back and then were in with a fight to, to win the race um, until they decided to fin- fix a front splitter with a gurney strap and that just, uh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> okay, so we've talked a little bit about the event. Let's get into this driver list because there's some real big surprises, some real big differences compared to last year. So we'll start from the top. If you've been with us with Endurance Chat before, you know how this works. We'll basically go through... Uh, each of the cars, each of the teams, each of the drivers, give a little bit of a blurb on any sort of unknown or unusual names and then kind of pick out the ones to watch uh, for the event. Um, this is great if you haven't done, yet done your fantasy endurance picks. Uh, plug fantasyendurance.mwclarkson.com. Do your fantasy endurance picks. Get into it. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll crack into it. So, uh, on the top class this year is Daytona Prototype International. We have uh, four Cadillac DPIs, um, two Acuras and two Mazdas. Um, so I think it's two, sorry, three factory cars for Cadillac, one customer car, and then factory Mazda, factory Penske. Um, we'll go through the Cadillacs first. Uh, number five is the Mustang sampling JDC Miller car. So this is changed from Action Express to JDC Miller. And it's got a pretty crazy driver lineup to start off with of Sebastian Bourdais, Loic Duval, and Joao Barbosa. So straight out of the gate, that's a car that could potentially win the race. And wasn't Loic Duval kind of in a P2 car last year? Um, so this is a huge jump up for him. Not, not to mention, Sebastian Bourdais is a fantastic pickup. Um, prototype experience, check. Race winner at Daytona in a class before, check. And... The only reason I think he have the, he has this ride because his IndyCar ride went bust. Um, so it's great. And this is full season for Sebastian Bourdais as well. I believe it's full time for Bourdais and Barbosa respectively. So Luc Duval is the one-time guy in that car right now. Uh, great pickup. I think this could be a real contender for the win. Yeah, so uh, for those out of the loop, Locke Duval was driving, driving for Team TDS last year, um, drove at that car at Le Mans, and Bourdais was in... So Joe Barbosa was in this car, um, and I think Bourdais, he was in the Ford GT, um, which uh, unfortunately now no longer runs. So this this car was a part of the Action Express family last year, um, but now they've been moved over to JDC Miller Motorsports, um, so downsizing of the, the factory Cadillac effort, um, is that going to come into play against them? It's going to be a hard question. Um, let me t- just take a look at the other entry list here, uh, the other car. I mean, that's still a pretty strong car. Mm. Um, JDC Miller, um, can, I believe they have won a race before. It was yes. at Watkins Glen. Um Another fact, they have a Mustang sampling backing with a strong driver lineup. I'm excited to see what these guys have in store for us when, we, when they come to qualifying on Thursday. Yeah, so this is definitely the pro car in the JDC group. They, they've got another car in this category, the number 85. This is definitely the, the AM car, the one that's been uh, bought into, basically, by the guys with money. So uh, it's got in the 85 car uh, one... Ooh, I'm going to get this one wrong, but I'm going to do my very best, and everyone in the chat is going to laugh at me. Um, one, Pedrahita from Colombia, who's a silver driver, who I've never heard of before. Um, Mateus Leist from Brazil, who I've never heard of before. Chris Miller, 
who I think drove that car last year, and Tristan Vortier, who definitely was driving something in IMSA last year. So this is this is the banana boat car that we're more familiar with. Yep. So Juan Pedro Hida is a uh, he is an Indy Lights driver last year. Um, Mateus Leist is out, was also he was an Indy car driver for AJ Foyt Racing. Yep. Um, and Chris Miller, he did drive that car last year. And Tristan Vautier, I believe, raced one of the Mercedes last year. He's he's either raced the Mercedes or I remember him also being in oh one of the prototypes. He might have been. Yeah. Um, could have also been JDC. Yeah, it could have been. I think so because he, he definitely. I've definitely seen him race in IMSA, both the prototype and the Mercedes AMG. Um, everyone in the chat is getting mad at me for not her- hearing of Lice, but sorry, IndyCar just isn't on my radar. Sorry. And also another good point. This is the banana boat. We love the banana boat. The reason we call it the banana boat is because it's a big friggin' yellow prototype. It's great. I love it. It's 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 a really really fun car. But of the two, you'd easily say the number five is the stronger of the two. Yeah, especially yeah. with the Mustang sampling backing, it has more money put in that car, and the fact that you got you know four time IndyCar champions, the best. Yeah, exactly. Um, and not only that, the other two drivers as well. Loic Duval might be a bit of an unknown for for people on the American side of the pond, but he's a former Audi LMP1 driver, so you don't get to be a factory LMP1 driver for for nothing. Um, we'll move on to the other Cadillacs on the entry list, and we'll start with. The number 10 Konica Minolta Cadillac DPI. This is the Wayne Taylor racing car. So very famously took the first six wins in DPI competition back in 2017. Uh, this car has uh, none of the Taylor siblings in it anymore. It's a Wayne Taylor racing car, but uh, all uh, the the children have left the nest, so to speak. So this car will have Renga van der Zander. Ryan Briscoe, Scott Dixon, and Kamui Kobayashi as its four drivers. What do we think of that? The Ryan Briscoe-Renger-Vanderzand pair is the full-time lineup, I believe. So, yeah. But Scott Dixon, uh, I believe he also won his fourth IndyCar championship. Either his third or his fourth. And Kamui Kobayashi, Lamar winner. Yeah, yeah. I think he's wow. still... Has he still got the fastest lap at Le Mans ever? Or is that now in the hands of um, uh, Nakajima? Because mm. Kobayashi definitely did have it. I think he still has. So you've got... You've I think got it's in, Kobayashi. Yeah, you've got in that car, uh, Ringo van der Zander, one of the, the best uh, up-and-coming... Well, I, he's not really up-and-coming anymore. He's arrived. He's here. One of the best prototype drivers that this side of the pond. Ryan Briscoe, uh, who's come out of running, uh, I think he was also part of the Ford program very recently in the 69 car last year, um, or, or the 67 car if you're in the uh, American side of things. Uh, and then add to that one of the best IndyCar drivers that we've ever had, and also add to that one of the best prototype drivers that we're seeing at the moment. And that car is a scary car. This is the defending champion, let's not forget, because that car had uh, Fernando Alonso last year who put in an amazing stint through the night and in the wet to to confirm that win for the number 10 car. Is there a chance that they lose? Like, do they do they lose at all, or is that driver lineup just too good? Hmm. Well, think about this one. Remember when they had Jeff Gordon in the car? Yes, I do they, remember they that. They won. They they did they did win that with a NASCAR driver who had never done multi class racing, never done rain racing, and never done night racing in a prototype before. 
and then they had Fernando Alonso last. They won. Yes, they did. With a guy no. who had never done IMSA racing. Oh, had he done IMSA racing at that point? Either way, it was, yeah, pretty pretty good. We'll say that. Now, putting the pieces on this little conspiracy, I have, these, those two drivers have never won a 24-hour well, IMSA race before. It's the 24 hours of Daytona. Scott Dixon, I believe, has. So I think there's a chance this car may lose. Ooh, ooh, tinfoil hat time over here. I like it. I'm in. And I think one of their biggest competitors are going to be the number 31 wheel and engineering racing Cadillac. This is the Action Express car, the, the fact, another factory backed Cadillac. Um, and this car has in it a quartet of platinum drivers. It's the highest rated drivers in the field. It has current Toyota LMP1 driver Mike Conway. Pipo Durrani, uh, who has won this event before. Actually, his breakout year, he won this event and Sebring basically off of his own back. It was amazing. Um, yep. Felipe Albuquerque, former Audi LMP1 driver and current uh, United Autosports driver. And Felipe Nasser, who was driving this car last year for Action Express Racing uh, and former Formula 1 driver as well. So that is that is terrifying if you're another driver on that entry list. And if I remember, remember correctly, uh, Felipe Nazar is the defending driver's champ. Oh, yes. We'll have to go back and check that because we never actually capped off the IMSA season. So it meant that it completely fell off my radar. Whoops. Um, yeah. So scary, scary driver lineup. You know, people who have won this race before, people who have run won IMSA races before, people who have driven this type of machinery before. Conway as well was a part of this team last year for the endurance rounds. Where do you see this playing out we've got a few other big factory names that we've got to get to but this has to be one of the favorites yeah not to mention the fact that you have you know former winners like Pippa Durrani Felipe Albuquerque um, I can't remember if Felipe Nazar was in the car when Action Express won it a couple years ago um, but it's very it's a very strong lineup and apart from my Conway that's an all that's an all Portuguese crowd <laughs> so, um, or Brazilian so... Portuguese yeah some camaraderie there between the three, well, the two Portuguese men and the uh, Brazilian. Uh, Conway is going to feel a little bit left out, I think. I'm sure. I'm sure Conway will be fine. I like he's he's impressed me. So uh, when he was first a part of the LMP1 program in Toyota, I was a bit ambivalent. I didn't really see the pace in him, um, but he's definitely come a long way since then. And he was last year in the number seven car the most consistent driver in uh, in an LMP1 car. So Conway is definitely a guy to keep an eye on if you're not familiar with him. The other three, if you're from the States, you should be familiar with what they can do behind the wheel of a prototype. So that is going to be... I think that's my pick for the win, and I'm going to call it early. Uh, what about you, Chris? Do you reckon, are you going to be that bold? No, I'll no. wait till we, till we hit the Hit the end? Awesome. Okay, so we got... Also on the list, two factory-entered cars from Acura Team Penske. This is in the Acura DPI, which is based off of the Orica 07 chassis, which has been the dominant chassis in ACO competition. Uh, the Cadillac DPI, uh, just because we didn't mention that, is based off of the Delara chassis, which has been almost all dominant in the States, but much less so in Europe due to some differing aerodynamic issues. Uh, so Acura Team Penske, uh, we'll start with the defending champions of the series, uh, number six, 
Dane Cameron, Simon Paginot, and Juan Pablo Montoya uh, is the defending champion. Uh, Dane Cameron, I think, has come from Action Express Racing uh, to, to sit in the Acura Team Penske car. Is that this year that it, that's happened? No, he was there last year. Okay, okay. So that was... Because yeah. he did uh, races for uh, in the Acura for the uh, Blank Pan GT World Challenge America stuff. Oh, I nice. Because I Road America and Acura. Cool, cool. So this is the same um, driver lineup as last year in this car. Um, and so, correct me if I'm wrong, but Pagano's a big IndyCar star, right? Uh, correct. I want to say 2014 IndyCar champion. And nice. ironically, he was actually an American Le Mans Series champion before he went to IndyCar. I think he won oh, a championship in LMP2 back in 08, 09, somewhere, but somewhere around then. Um, so, oh, of course. He has quite a lot of prototype experience. Yeah, and then, you know, add to that Juan Pablo Montoya, one of the most enigmatic drivers in any paddock that he goes to, you know, former F1 star, former NASCAR star, uh, and then racing in sports cars more recently. I think he tested a Porsche 919 at some point. Uh, so big, definitely big names uh, for Acura Team Penske. And, you know, Montoya is the defending champion as well for this series. Uh, Montoya and Cameron, actually. So... You know, coming off of some some really really good form in terms of IMSA competition. So the next Acura Team Penske car is the number seven car. This one features uh, Ricky Taylor and Helio Castroneves, which were the two drivers last year, and then Alexander Rossi uh, as the third endurance driver. Uh, Alexander Rossi won the Indy 500 on debut, if I'm correct. How long ago was that? Ah, wasn't that twenty? I want. Okay, I want to say twenty sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah. So that was big, big thing to have under your belt uh, on debut to win the Indy five hundred. So he's definitely got quality. Castro Nevers as well is an IndyCar star, right? Uh yep. He won the Indianapolis five hundred three times. Oh wow. Um, he he still does the Indianapolis five hundred as a one off. I believe he does like the Indy Grand Prix. Which is the road course? They do the Indy Road Course, Indy Car does, and the Indy 500 as a one-off for Roger Penske every year. But this is his full-time ride now. Yeah, and then Ricky Taylor, one of the Taylor twins. Twins? Are they twins or brothers? Either way, um, Taylor. Uh, he's been very, very good in that car. I think there is uh, a piece that's sort of. When when the when the two brothers were driving together, they they had this amazing synergy. I don't think that synergy quite fits the same with anyone else. But he's still a quality driver, and he was definitely one of the drivers of last year. Yeah, I think we have to give Alexander Rossi some credit here. Yeah. I mean, he he's dipping his hands into the water, a different kind of motorsport because he did the Bathurst one thousand. Yes, um, I did. He did. He finished there. Yes, they finished. They finished. Uh, I think two laps down after was. I think it was Hinchcliffe had an off very very late yep. in the race. Um, was that in two thousand like turn one? Uh, no, it was a turn twenty three, the last corner on the track. So he got beached. Oh, yep, he got right. beached in the gravel with about five laps left. They pulled him out, and he was about two laps down, and they finished the race. It was fine. One of them spun. It's just it's so long ago. <laughs> but Rossi is not known for crashing cars. No, no. He is known for bringing it to the end, and the fact that he won the Indianapolis 500 in his debut, and he won a few more races after that, he's a known race winner. Um, and with a top-tier team like Penske, 
Keep in mind that Penske was en route to win the 24 Hours of Daytona last year. They just kind of, kind of broke down in the middle. Yes. Um, so they, they had the pace, but they didn't have the liability to get themselves there at the end. So this is definitely going to be a strong contender. I think this might be a little bit stronger than the uh, last car. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the 7 is stronger of the two Penske cars for me as well, even though the other car was uh, the championship winner. But I think just overall, there's just something about the number 7 that just grabs me a bit more. Um, and then the final two cars on the entry list are the two Mazda Team Yoast Mazda DPIs based on the much maligned Riley chassis. Um, for some reason, the Riley seems to work with the Mazda power plant, but not in with the Gibson. No one ever uses it in um, ACO spec competition, but that's fine. Uh, these cars have been known to grenade themselves. Um, and on top of that, this team has been known to grenade itself. Um, but they finally broke through for their first IMSA competition wins in a very, very long time uh, last year. I think at Watkins Glen was their first one. Um, Correct. So they That's got, when they broke the curse. They broke the curse. It was a curse. There was just a, a, a big... It was like the monkey on the back for the team and they had opportunities to win previous years and just fluffed it up. So for fi- for them to finally get the curse off their back, they ended up winning like three in a row or something ridiculous. So provided the car holds together, these guys should be in the mix as well. So we've got the 55, which is Jonathan Bomarito and Harry Tinknell, um, which uh, I think Tinknell's new to the team. No, no, no. Bomarito and Ticknell are the full season drivers, and then Ryan Hunter Ray is the third driver in that team. Um, Hunter Ray's a bit of an unknown to me. I've heard his name plenty of times, but I've never really gotten a sense of him racing. What, what's he? What's he like behind the wheel? A uh, Hunter Ray, I believe he's the 2012 IndyCar champion. Um, he's kind of. More recently, he's not been up front in IndyCar. I'm not sure if that's because of the change in cars they had recently. Um, uh, Hunter, he's kind of conservative, but he also, you know, he kind of just throws it out the window sometimes and just kind of just mashes in. Because remember, I think uh, Detroit, either this year or last year, um, one of the Belle Isle races, I think he uh, kind of made a mistake and t- took him and Alexander Rossi out. Oh, so. no. So it's he's he's not a wild cannon, but he's not exactly too consi- not known for being really really consistent either. Okay, so that that might be a bit of a a, a wildfire, so to speak. Um, Bomarito is of course the uh, he's been with the program since the Speed Source days, so he's he's definitely been there for a long time. And Harry Tinknell, he's he's in like three or four different racing programs at the moment. Um, so he's balancing a factory Mazda drive with the Carlin Delara drive in both the European Le Mans series and the Asian Le Mans series. And he's just come off the back of, I'm pretty sure he was also in the Ford GT program as well last year. So he's, he's been a bit of the everywhere man, but still a very, very quality driver. Uh, the next car for the Mazda team Yost team is the number 77. I would argue that this is maybe a little stronger, Drivers Oliver Jarvis, Tristan Nunez, and Olivier Pla. So Tristan Nunez was with the program back in the Speed Source days. He was very, very quick back in those days. He might maybe have just lost a bit of the edge of that now. And then Oliver Jarvis, former Audi LMP1 driver, Oliver Olivier Pla, uh, former Ligier factory driver. These guys know what they're doing at the seat of a prototype and perform like they know what they're doing. 
Yeah, I would say the 77 is definitely the more stronger lineup. But I dare say, if they can keep the car running at the end of the race... Now, granted, this is all being blind from raw test results, mm. because I personally think those don't matter. Um, I think this car could have a shot of winning the overall... But the thing is, though, it's it's keeping it alive, doesn't isn't it? Um, because it's it's known for grenading itself. I mean, last year at Daytona, it's uh, it was you know in the running, in the running, and then caught on fire. Both cars caught on fire, and then even at Sebring, it was in the running. It was at the head of the field, and then there was a fire in the cockpit um, of that car. And both both times, they were the class of the field, the guys to beat. So. Um, when they finally broke through for that win at, at Watkins Glen, you know, being an endurance racer, well, that was a big deal because it means, you know, finally they've overcome their demons. But, you know, their, their, their demons their demons could still be there. Um, so fingers crossed if you're a Mazda fan uh, because that's definitely, uh, definitely, you know, based on raw results, they're the car to beat. But it's it's not... It's not as easy. There's there there is an element of the test of the event, right? You know, you have to get the car through twenty four hours, and that's the first challenge. We'll just have to wait and see. And personally, since I'll be there, I want to see them win. We've gone through the prototype DPI cars. These are the cars that are going to be in the overall battle. Pick me a top three. Let's see. I'm gonna go with seventy seven, ten. Seven. Ooh, ooh. Interesting. Why the 10 over the 31? Uh, because I knew Rager, Z- Rager Vendozanen and Ryan Briscoe. They're pretty good. And Kamui Kobayashi and Scott Dixon both have prototypes. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I will instead go 77, 31, and 7. So we're basically picking the same cars. We're just picking the other Cadillac. Um, so if you, if you want to uh have a go at outdoing us well if you want to if you're not sure who to watch i reckon you know one from from each of the the manufacturers that's a pretty good start okay which one of those win yeah exactly which one of those win which one of those win okay Mm. it's hard because you 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 can always make a case for a single one of them like Mm. you know reliability issues aside mazda could win or you know i i think I want Mazda to win, but they have to have the perfect race. It means nothing goes wrong, and the history of Mazda doesn't really show that very well. So I think I'm going to go with, um, I think the safe bet might be the 10. I would agree. I The Cadillac is a proven product in IMSA competition, and it seems to be that whenever there's a big result on, it's a Cadillac happening. But the thing is as well, we haven't quite talked about it yet. This is the start of a new season, which means the start of new team's operation, this is the start of BOP for the season as well. No one really knows what's going to happen, so no one really has an answer yet. So we'll, we'll see. I think the Cadillac is still the mm-hmm. best platform, um, but it's going to be very interesting to see where everything shakes out. I do I do rank Mazdas above the Acuras, because I think Acura just got a big uh, balance of performance uh, penalty. Or not penalty, but they got a pretty massive adjustment in balance of performance to the negative side of things. Interesting, interesting. So we'll have to delve into that a little bit more because I haven't quite seen the update on that yet in the raw notes. But we'll we'll go through that when we get a chance. Um, but that is the that is the DPI class. So that's that's the the group of the eight cars that are going to be fighting for that overall win. Um, we'll drop down into the LMP2 cars 
class now. So this is a six car strong class. This is ACO spec. So this is exactly what you would run in LMS, exactly what you would run in Asian Le Mans series or WEC. Um, I do believe that the DPI cars are a bit more unshackled, which means they the the reason they have the pace advantage because they've been allowed to gain that pace rather than the LMP2 cars dropping that pace. Um, but this is also a pro-am class, so you know, uh, bronze and silver drivers, uh, and uh, a bit more, a bit more of a European feel to some of these teams. So let's let's go through the list of LMP2 cars. We'll start off with the number two. This is the Rick Ware Racing uh, Riley. So I think this is the first time we've seen a Riley in competition in about two years, uh, like the base Riley. NASCAR memes incoming indeed. Uh, this car so far has Cody Ware, Jonathan Hoggard, who I've never heard of before, and a TBD driver, which I would expect might get lifted from their Asian Le Mans series program. What do we think? The Riley? Do we think the Riley's got, got the goods? Uh, well, I don't think so. Um, it is the Riley. Cody <laughs> Ware, new, newly experienced, or not newly experienced, that's quite an oxymoron. Uh, new, new to the prototypes. Uh, I mean, gotta give up to the guy. He did win an LMP2 Pro Am race at the bend, which you were there. You, you saw yep. Cody Ware win, I believe, his first race win in a while in person. Yeah. Um, Ware was normally really in the, in the back of NASCAR grids, and he said, eh, I'll go sports car racing. And it's working out so far for him. He's, has, has got a win under his belt. And Jonathan Haggard is a Sunoco Will and Challenge winner. Um, okay. Which basically means, I believe, he did British GT. Um, so he had the most amount of points of the Sunoco Will and Challenge, which I believe is like a bunch of random races put together in a point structure. And he was the first, he was the guy first in points. So he awarded a LMP2 IMSA drive at Daytona. Well, there you go. Um, and they put him in the rally, which honestly is bad. There's a reason that we only really talk about Oracle, Ligier, and Delara, and that's because no one runs the Riley because it's bad. Um, so I'm not expecting much from these guys. It, it'll it be cool to see Cody Ware in, on his home shores. I haven't seen that yet because I haven't really been keeping track of him. Now that I've seen him uh, win a race in the Asian Le Mans series, it's going to be really cool. Um, that TBD driver, I would expect maybe um, one of the other drivers that raced for... Rick Ware Racing at the Bend was a guy called um, Gustav Skrinbergus, a Lithuanian driver. The youngest ever class winner of an ACO event. Uh, he was 16 at the time of winning the race. So I reckon he might get a look in. Or if they go for someone a bit more experienced, maybe Anthony Lazaro, um, who was also at the Bend. They finished second in that car. So that would they'd probably be my first picks. Or they could be looking for a money man. So that's that's probably what's going to happen with the TBD there. Um, hopes for this car? Any hopes? Any hopes and dreams? I don't think it's going to be the worst car in the grid. Ooh, okay. I'm interested to see what your thoughts are uh, on that one. Next car on the grid is the Tower Motorsport by Starworks. So if you're familiar with RLRM Sport, this is basically the analog in the States because um, it's got John Ferrano as the bronze uh, and... Supporting his drive is a full quartet of each of the driver rankings. You got David Hennemeyer Hansen in a silver. Great to see him back at the wheel of a prototype. Much better in a prototype, I think, as in a GTE car. Um, Ryan DL in the uh, in the car as well. Gold rated driver, former ESM driver. Uh, 
uh, and friggin' parachuting in from the sky, platinum rated Nikolai Lapierre. What? I don't even know how they got him. <laughs> it's <laughs> so okay. So for those who don't, who aren't familiar with the name Nikolai Lapierre, he has won the LMP2 class at Le Mans. Every single year he's entered it. The last four times he's entered the LMP2 class at Le Mans, he has won it. The only times he hasn't won the LMP2 class is because he's been driving an LMP1 and crashing Toyotas instead. But he is in an LMP2 car, serious business, and probably one of the best drivers of a P2 chassis that exists in the world at the moment. So pairing him with Ryan DL, who's a very, very competent driver, if maybe on the tail end of his career, of his serious career, um, David Hanemeyer Hansen, who in the seat of a P2 won the WEC championship in 2017, the, the P2 championship, uh, with rebellion, um, has gone to GTE racing and has not really performed as well as he would have liked. And then a solid bronze in John Ferrano, you know, he's not going to throw the car in the wall. It might light on fire, but he's not going to throw it in the wall. So this is a very, very strong team. The only problem I have with it though, the only problem I have with it is that Starworks. Is that is that, like is that bad? That makes me feel a little bad. Starworks in uh, in LMPC competition in the past has been a bit of a nightmare. I remember um, Starworks back then they had Daytona Prototype. Uh, their number because in Grand Am in you had a bunch of you had creativity of what font number you can have. Uh, they had an eight, but they kind of used like the hourglass shape eight, and I was like, okay, so. Classic. Quite a different team and the different different breed. Yeah, uh, there is something just a, a different, a bit different from uh, about Starworks. The thing that really like sticks out to me for Starworks is that the one like the year that Daytona Prototype Challenge, well, sorry, Prototype Challenge was on its way out, and they had two cars entered. They basically made contact with every other car on the field, and then pulled their cars in and withdrew them because they were crashing into everyone so much. So that's what I remember of Starworks. That is my Starworks memory. And I hope that this doesn't become a continuation of that. Fingers crossed. But seriously, though, the driver lineup is pretty solid. Yeah. This reminds me of the ESM situation where they had, what, um, Ed Brown? Yes. Uh, John Ferrano, is that Ed? Yeah, that's definitely true. Um... But Ed Brown won Daytona. I mean, he did one lap, but he yeah. won Daytona. Yeah, the, stra- the strategy is aligned. Yeah, exactly. And Ed Brown was allowed to win Daytona. <laughs> what a meme that was. A classic classic 2016 memes. Um, so definitely one to keep an eye out on, hopefully for the right reasons and not the wrong ones. Uh, Car 18 is the next one on the entry list. This is Error Motorsport, um, spelled E-R-A, not error is in control error. Uh, this is also in an Orica. Uh, this has got um, Kyle Tilly, Dwight Merriman, Ryan Lewis, and again, parachuting in from above, Nick Manassian, who is like the Nick, Nicholas Lapierre's alter ego, basically, in terms of quality. Yeah. And I I, I can't remember. This is a very obscure fact of Nick, Nicholas Manassian. Um, I'm not French, so I'm not pronouncing that last name. I believe he raced a Creventic race at Paul Ricard one year. Huh. And a Mercedes. Oh, yeah. And, like, for those who don't know Creventic, it's a pretty well, like, a club 
banter series. Like, it, people are competitive, but it's not really, you know, it's everyone goes down to the pub and has a laugh afterwards. So for a platinum driver like Manassian to do a Coventic race is kind of weird, basically. Important to note, though, that this team was initially meant to be partnered up with Dragon Speed. Um, but there was, after the Raw, there was this very, very, um, sternly worded, uh, tweet from Dragon Speed, um, who run, uh, in the ELMS competition and, uh, other ACO competitions, um, saying, uh, the Aero Motorsport LMP2 car is not supported by Dragon Speed. Uh, their performance at the Raw was not influenced by our crew and we are not associating with this team. So, very, very sternly worded tweet there. Um, so I wonder what's happened behind the scenes to cause that little rift. Honestly, not too sure. But uh, the thing they do have is Colin Braun's dad as their engineer, which is a great pickup oh. because he is a, a great engineer. And the fact that a team like Era Motorsport was released as a brand new team, to have an engineer like that is gonna, definitely going to help them out. Oh, well, there you go. That's pretty cool. Um, so... You're probably more familiar with these drivers than I am. Do they have any hope of bettering some of the other cars? Do you think this is going to be a a, a a class contender, or is this going to be worse than the Rick Ware car? Mm, I think it's going to be better than the Rick Ware car. Um, I think Ryan Lewis, I believe he was with um, Change Racing with the Lamborghini okay. um, in GTD before. Um, of course... We have the French dude. I'm not, I'm not trying to pronounce that name. Manassian. Uh, Manassian. There you go. And, uh, the two, the, the, the silver and the bronze of Kyle Tilly and Dwight Merriman. Um, I think they're going to keep the car on track. So I think this car won't be the worst out there. Um, but I don't think it's going to compete for the win. But it's a six car LMP2 class. Uh, one car binging it, bin, uh, binning it. it might change the, the course of the race completely for the class. Fair enough. Good call. Um, we'll see how that ends up. Uh, we'll move on to the next car, Performance Tech Motorsports, again in Orica. This car is kind of a mess of amateurs. So you have Cameron Cassell's... This Rob- is why I think this is the worst car in the class. Yeah, I now now looking at it, I can agree. So Cameron, Cass- uh, Cameron, uh, bleh, Cameron Cassell's, Robert Masson, Don Yunt, and all is bronze, and then Kyle Masson as a silver... I think these guys ran last year and were largely anonymous, but I think they won the championship simply because the other car in the class had more problems. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so really underwhelming. Um, yeah. So the cool thing about this car is that the Robert Masson and Kyle Masson are father and son. Nice. Uh, I believe Robert is the dad. Who he is like a spine surgeon, which explains why he has Centennial Spine as a sponsorship car. Um, yeah, but Sun Spine, there he goes. Yeah. Randy Angelist. And Kyle is a son who just likes to join his dad to go racing. I think Kyle wants to make this a career. Robert's, Robert is like, I want to have fun. So the father son pairing is cool. Um, Don Yount, I believe, is like just an old timer who's been in the game for a while. And Cameron Castles, I believe, is kind of a new guy who's trying to make it, make it uh, in the world of racing. Yeah, um, I think last year that driver lineup had Cassells and Kyle Masson and was, like, fine. They didn't really... I was actually impressed at how little they got involved in other people's races, which is basically, if you're a bronze and a silver, 
in a class with two entrants. That's basically all you have to do. So, um, yeah, the driver the driver rating speaks to that car not being competitive, and I would have to agree. Um, apparently, it was in fact the fifty two that won the championship, not the thirty eight. Which you know, I mean, honestly, the championship was. So so anonymous last year that it was basically no one was looking at it. So let's move on to the 52 car, the PR1 Matheson Motorsports car. This car, interestingly, has brand new sponsorship for this season um, because driving this car, well, sorry, for this event, driving this car um, for the first time in prototypes, I think, ever is Ben Keating, and with him, he's brought along uh, Simon Trummer, Nick Bull, who drove for Labra at Le Mans last year, uh, American-rated silver, uh, American-silver-rated driver, and Gabriel Aubrey, who has been doing, he's recently been upgraded to gold, so um, he's been doing great things over in uh, European competition, but yeah, Ben Keating in a prototype. Oh yeah, Ben Keating did do Le Mans and the Riley, but no one remembers anything that the Riley ever did. So, not not his first time in a prototype, but uh, first time in a competent prototype, first time in an Orica. Yeah, and uh, as you as we go along the entrance, we're going to see that Ben Keating is going to be racing in two classes. He's going to be doing GT Daytona as well, I presume in a Mercedes uh, with uh, Bill Riley, Motorsports, and the fact that just. If I'm, if I remember correctly, is this just like kind of like JC DC in uh, IMSA P2 car? Maybe. Um, they, well, the, I know Aubrey is from JC DC. I can't remember if Simon Trimmer did, uh, was with that team. I, it was a year ago, so it's, it's not at the forefront of my memory. But yeah, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Nick Bull was in that car as well. So Trimmer apparently was with JC D Miller Motorsports last year. Um, oh, I'm talking about like European stuff. Like on the European side of things. Did they, did Simon Trimmer race with? Nope, probably not. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think JCDC was very much more bringing Asian drivers through the field. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting mix of, um, interesting mix of, uh, nationalities in there. Um, Gabriel Aubrey is actually a really, really good pickup. I'm excited to see what he does. Um, but 52, how do, how do you rate their chances? I think it could be a top two car. Top two car? Nice. Um, yeah. I would I would hazard to agree, but I think the next car on the list might outdo it. I still think the number eight, provided it doesn't kill other cars, is going to win. But I reckon the next car, the number 81 Dragon Speed car, is going to be the one to, to watch um, as well. Because that's got... Uh, gold rated Ben Hanley, um, Henrik Hedman, who's the money car guy behind Dragon Speed, Colin Brown, and Harrison Newey. Yes, that is the same Newey as Adrian Newey. So, uh, Harrison's silver rated driver has been doing some pretty cool stuff over in the European side of things with, I think, uh, Algarve Pro Racing in the ELMS. Um, Colin Brown, we know from, uh, the, ooh, who was he the driving Core with? Auto Sport car. Yes, that was right. Oh, I miss Core. Yeah, so Colin Braun doing amazing things with the Core Auto Sports car. Um, you know, get, almost giving John Bennett an overall championship a few years ago. Uh, and then Ben Hanley and Heinrich Hedman, who race together over in Europe. Heinrich Hedman is bronze. He's not that quick in a P1 car, decently quick in a P2 car, and doesn't really crash it anymore, which is great. Ben Hanley could probably get a better drive, but I guess he's fine what? driver coaching Heinrich Hedman. 
keep keep in mind that uh, I believe he made it to the Indianapolis 500 while Alonso did. Oh wow, really? Huh. I, th- I think he I think he made it in last year. Oh well, there you go. That's that's an interesting tidbit. Imagine having that in your resume. Qualified for a race that Alonso couldn't. <laughs> and apparently, uh, Colin Braun is also going to try to. I heard rumors of Colin Braun with Dragon Speed doing the Indianapolis 500 as well. I don't know if that's going to be a two-car effort uh-huh. with Dragon Speed or just Colin Braun doing the old and Hanley doing the road course, kind of like an Ed Carpenter racing sort of thing. Nice. That makes sense then that he's come over here from from uh, Core Autosports then, which is now disbanded now that Bennett's finished up. That's actually a really, really cool lineup then. Um, Now, who wins? Which one of the 852 and the 81 wins? Uh, I I think I have, might have to go with Dragon Speed due mm. to the fact that they have experience of the P2 car. The drivers are like pretty good with the prototype. Maybe, like, I mean, have you ever seen Hendrick Heldman just crash the car just because he can? No. No, no, he's pretty, pretty decent. Hanley, Hanley gets the car and the fact that uh, Harrison Newey, he's kind of, he's pretty good. Mm. Um, he's a super silver. Maybe his 20, yep. And this isn't Newey's first 24 hour race. However, this could be Harrison Newey's first 24 hour race that he can complete. So we'll have to see on that front. What do you mean? Uh, he did the 24 hours of Fuji for the Super Taiku series. And I believe he was with a Nissan team that, um, kind of had a problem. Okay. Either I can't remember if it was early in the race. I think it was early in the race that made him uh, have. Fair enough. Okay, so I I think the number eight still has a better driver lineup. Like uh, David Hanemeyer, handsome. Sure, he's not a super silver, but he's definitely one of the best pure amateur drivers. Um, Ferrano's not bad, but you've got Lapierre in the team. You've got Lapierre. It's it's ridiculous how good. Uh, Nicolas Lapierre is in a P2 car. So I think the number eight is going to win, but it's going to be close. 8 and 81 should be a titanic battle um, between the two of them. Uh, so that's your LMP2 class. Now, if you're a big fan of the LMP2 class, um, unfortunately, don't expect to see a lot of them on TV. Because it's an ACO spec uh, class, they don't really show a lot of it on on the, on the feed, um, which is a bit annoying. Um, but it still should be good to see which one of the Oricas reign supreme and whether or not the Riley can finish the race. Uh, now we get back into the big boys. We are talking GT Le Mans. This is GTE spec machinery, factory prototype GT cars, basically. Not, and I don't mean prototype as in like GTP. I mean like these cars are built as race, absolute racing machines. Uh, so. In this class, we have seven cars. We have two Porsches, two BMW M8s, a Ferrari 488, and the worldwide debut of the Corvette C8R, the first mid-engine Corvette ever. Uh, So this will be something that will attract people's eyes from around the world. Um, And interestingly enough as well, they have a decent driver lineup to go with it. Um, have you seen pictures of the, the Corvette C8R on track yet, Chris? I have, but it, it just, it's just an awesome thing to brag about too, because I have a, have a coworker that he, he has a, he's a car person 
Like, yeah, I'm going to see the race debut from their Corvette. No big deal. <laughs> Brilliant. And it looks, it looks mean. It's like if, if you put a, a Corvette's front on an, like Lamborghini's rear or something, it looks just absolutely mean as all hell, doesn't it? Yeah. People, I think people complain about the looks of it. Yeah. I, I like it. Um, it's just a cool looking car. Just, just what my simple brain thinks. There's no like, you know, equations or formulas that I need, need to decide that I need to decide if it's a cool car or not. It's a cool, cool, it's a cool car. It's I like a, it. America's sports car. God dang European man. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Let's crack into it. Uh, driving the number three is. Uh, Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor. Um, so Jordan Taylor coming over from Wayne Taylor Racing, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, and as well, adding to that is Nikki Katzberg. So you might notice the absence of one, uh, Jan Magnussen in that car. Normally he'd be driving that car. Um, so Jan's actually been dropped from the Corvette program after 20 something years. Um, so they got Nikki Katzberg in over from the BMW program. Um, I think that's an improvement. Yeah, Katzberg has nice, young, fresh face. Um, I think he had uh, Magnuson uh, dropped down on his own. Okay. Um, I think he wants to spend more time with um, Kevin, his son. And he's also going to be racing full-time in the Danish TCR Championship that's debuting. You really just know obscure facts, don't you? You're just the obscure fact guy. I can tell you who raced at Le Mans a year ago, but I can tell you who's <laughs> racing in Danish TCR brilliant fantastic um so jordan taylor has raced with his team before um at le mans uh has been what the third driver for le mans had to uh, like put him with garcia and katzberg straight out of the the bmw program i think that's a pretty scary number three car and do you know who else was in the scary number three car dale dale american sports car uh the other american sports car is Number four, uh, this is the much more consistent lineup that we're used to seeing. Oliver Gavin, Tommy Milner, Marcel Fazler. That's pretty well a, a solid number four group. In fact, I think of those three, Fazler's probably the weak link in that, uh, in that car. Uh, yeah, because isn't, uh, Garcia, I mean, I mean, uh, Gavin and Milner, like the, 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 they're the two Corvette guys, like the yep. one who's been racing them for a really long time and Marcel Fazler, kind of like an, the Audi factory guy, when Yost dropped their program, he kind of like kind of went the Corvette for the one-offs. Um, so yeah, Fastler is the weak link, but that's not saying a whole lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, of those two cars, though, which one do you reckon is the stronger of the two? Three for Dale. Yeah. <laughs> Three, but not for Dale. Three for the other drivers, for me. The next cars on the entry list are the big bimmers the bmw m8 gtes still running an imsa competition running nowhere else in the world uh pretty interesting driver lineups as well so it's the 24 and the 25 car in the 24 car you have john edwards who is uh like imsa born and bred and then augusto farfus jesse crone and from my neck of the woods, Chaz Mostert, uh, in the number 24 car, which is pretty cool to see yet again at Daytona. And I believe Augusto Farfus, I think he retired from the DTM to pursue GT racing and WTCR for the Hyundai program full time. Oh, um, that uh, seems John like a downgrade Edwards for me. That seems like a downgrade. Like, isn't DTM meant to be bonkers? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, Farfus is a cool dude, though. If you ever get a chance to meet Farfus, and I'll tell you now, if you get a chance to meet Farfus, do it, because he is an absolute laugh. Um, I, I'm interested to see what Chaz Mostert does as well. He had a kind of okay run last year, um, but he was also in the um, Alex Zanardi car, so he was kind of, they were, you know, I don't want to say they were handicapped, but they were a little handicapped. And also they were in the BMW, so they were handicapped enough as it is. Even though that car won, the other car won. Because, you know, rain yep. does stupid things. I, you know, it's sad that the only driver I remember from that car is Colton Herta. Yeah, well, Colton Herta is in the 25 car, and that's along with Conor DiFilippi, Philip Eng, and Bruno Spengler. Um, Spengler, I think, has run... He's run plenty of different stuff in IMSA, but he's settled in a uh, BMW drive now. DiFilippi, DiFilippi, former Land Motorsport, I think, so he's stepped up. Yep. Um uh, to a factory drive in the past 12 months. And yeah, Colin Herter, who, or Colton Herter, who I'd never heard before until last year. And soon after winning his first IMSA race, his first Rolex 24, he, a few months later, wins his first IndyCar race at Circuit of the Americas. Oh, nice. Cool. So again, a nice mix of, again, Americans, uh, open wheel talent in the sports car field. So who's the quicker car out of the 24 and the 25? Hmm. I think I'm going to have to go with the, uh, oh, this is hard. Mm. Uh, 25. I, I agree as well. As much as it pains me to admit, I, as much as I love Farfus and Chaz Mostert, I think the overall quality of the 25 car is a much, is much more consistent. Um, hopefully they do some cool inverted liveries again, because normally in the IMSA program, they do like one black car, one white car, which looks sick. Um, but yeah, I think the 25 is going to be the better car. We'll crack on. Uh, number 62 is the only Ferrari in the field. It is the Risi Competizione Ferrari, very popular over in the States. Uh, and this has a full quartet of crazy Ferrari factory drivers. You have WEC, uh, factory driver James Collado, WEC factory driver Alessandro Piaguidi, WEC factory driver Davide Rigon, and like plucked from the Brazilian stock car series three years ago, Daniel Serra, who has done redonkulous things for Ferrari since being basically plucked from the ether, really. No one knew anything about him until he appeared in, I think it was a Aston Martin GTD At car? Le Mans, yeah. At Le Mans? Oh, yeah, no, it was GT, a GTE at Le Mans and won the race with the final stint and then became uh, like the Ferrari boy. Uh, that's a crazy lineup. Not to mention Daniel Serra, off the top of my head, you know, won the California eight hours with Tomato yep. with a dominating drive. And not to mention, he didn't let his stock car Brazil uh, challenge go the way he there. He won the championship <laughs> in 2019. Oh, wow. So he's he's been everywhere, man. That's crazy. And the, the Brazilian stock car championship is is pretty serious business as well. They don't mess around. They've got some really, really good names uh, that have come through that series. I, um, Felipe Fraga, who is ma- who is basically racing with Mercedes in GT3 endurance events. Uh, Rubens Barrichello mm. is also racing there. Um, he actually won a championship in that, which kind of breaks this, you know, curse of you know, being with Ferrari <laughs> and Michael Schumacher. And then there's some of like, uh, if you know Anna Beatrice, uh, yes. former IndyCar driver. Uh, she's also in there and a bunch of other, uh, 
Brazilians that raced either, you know, Formula One or IndyCar that didn't have their careers quite work out for them and they're kind of racing there full time. Nice. So this car, like, we know, we've talked about Sarah. We know what Regon can do. We know what Piaguidi can do. We know what Collado can do. That's a, like, didn't this car win Petit Le Mans last year as well? It did, but then it have like a big BOP break. I, well, honestly, Petit Le Mans just kind of dropped off my radar a little bit, I'll be honest. So I didn't really yeah, much, I think watch much of it. If I remember the storylines, I think it had a good BOP break because I think, like, it didn't, it haven't raced in a while, so they they have a good gauge on what, yeah. what, uh, what, you know, so now that they want Petit, they have a, you know, they know the performance of the car. Um, especially since the, at the roar, they're going to have even more good gauge of the car. Uh, so we're going to see, uh, I think this is going to be more, um, more equal, um, hopefully, because that's what, what we all want to see. We all see equal, uh, pace in terms of the BOP and how things work out, the switches between the cars. We don't want one car dominant versus the other. Yep. That's just boring. Yes, that's true. Um, but because it's only the one car in operation, it is. It always just feels like a dark horse. But with those kind of drivers, you'd have to peg that as maybe a favorite. It's real hard. Um, so that's the lone Ferrari in the field. And then you have, to round out the GTLM field, you have the two 911s. So car 911 is Matt Campbell, Nick Tandy, and Frederick Makovecki. Um, which is a scary lineup in itself. Uh, Matt Campbell, of course, hero stint at last year's Bathurst 12 hour, um, basically overtook the last five positions before and during, uh, like before the last compression of the field and then made one of the passes of last year down into the cutting on Jake Dennis, which is just an absolute, if you didn't watch last year's Bathurst 12 hour, do yourself a favor, go back and watch it because it was the best race of last year. Best race of last year, 100%. Matt Campbell, New Porsche factory driver, absolutely won, earned his trials there. Nick Tandy, Le Mans winner. Fred Makovecki, Le Mans winner in GTLM, or GTE rather, and crazy, crazy quick. So, 911, great car. Watch that. <laughs> and you're going to be freaking deafened by the exhaust of the 911 RSR. So that means I don't have to hear you ever again? Oh, ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Oof. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, the other car in the, the stable is the 912, the Bamthor car. So Lawrence Vantor, uh, who has been as uh, at the top of GT racing since I started watching GT racing, uh, Earl Bamber as well, Le Mans winner in GT, uh, sorry, in P1. Actually, the only two time Le Mans winner with the, uh, Porsche program, the 919 program, by the way. Um, and then adding to that, one of the brightest young stars in the Porsche program, Matteo Jaminet, who was only a few years ago winning Porsche Super Cup, now in the 912 car as the third driver. Like that is a that is a huge huge step up for a young driver to make. Um, he was in fact in the 94 car at Le Mans last year, which was their young driver program car, basically. So they had, in the 94, Sven Müller, Matteo Jaminet, and Dennis Olsen. Um, and now all three of those drivers have moved on to bigger and better things. So that both Porsches are a massive experience of... Uh, oh, sorry, a massive mix of experience, pace, and youthful exuberance. So... They're going to be great cars to watch. What do you think of the Porsche chances at Daytona this year? 
Well, I we never really see a weak Porsche field at Daytona. Really, they're normally either kind of middle of the pack. They're never dead last. Mm. That's what I've been noticing. They're never dead last. Um, so I think they might have to compete with the Ferrari and maybe the Corvette because it's a new car and they might favor it because they don't have much information. But I think I think the Porsche is going to be up there. I think the BMW might be the uh, the slow one here. The boat. <laughs> Yeah. The anchor, rather. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. A very good point you make about not ever, like, even when they're struggling, they're never out the back struggling. They're just kind of there or thereabouts. I think that's a testament to the team, really. Um, one of the things about BOP racing is that even when it's not in your favor, a good team and a good setup and good drivers can drag a car into good results. And I think um especially in IMSA competition um not saying more so than WEC competition but I think especially especially in IMSA competition the team that runs the uh, Porsche cars the the core autosports team um for GTs they do a great job of keeping the cars in the mix so Porsche always someone to be reckoned with no matter where they are racing uh around the world now seven cars GTLM give me three give me a podium Okay. Seems like a simple enough request. I think I'll go with Ferrari. Yep. Let's see. The 911. Yep. And the 912. Ooh, you're doubling down on the Porsches. Yeah, I'm going to double down on Porsche. Because, uh, like, I know I want to do that, but if I do, people will just get mad at me and tell me that I'm favoring them. It's fine for you to do it, but I can't. I can't. So I have to go. I want to go the 911 as well. As much as I love Bamthor, I I got to stick by my Aussie, uh, my Aussie comp- uh, compadre in Matt Campbell. Um, 911, 62, and I'm going to go the number three is going to be in the mix as well. Do you reckon that's do you reckon that's fair enough? I think the three might be risky because it's a new car. Yeah, but... and like unproven in competition, but that's what makes it fun, doesn't it? Yeah, what's the point of making predictions if you can just gonna be you can't be wrong? <laughs> exactly. Um, interesting to note. Well, interesting and kind of disappointing to note. This car is uh, this class is of course downsized since last year with the. End of, ending of the Ford GT program, which, fun fact, means that for the first time in about 20 years, uh, Chip Ganassi Racing aren't racing a car at Daytona, because um, normally they'd be either be running the Ford Daytona prototype, um, the Riley, or in recent years, the Ford GT, and then neither of them are here this year. So no Chip Ganassi Racing uh, this year at Daytona, which is a bit of a shame if you're a Chip fan. Now, we get into the real meat of the class. So, we have 39 entries in total, uh, and we have 18 GTD cars. 18 of them. So, that's basically a grid in itself. So, we are running a little bit behind schedule at the moment. So, we're going to try and rattle through these as quick as we can. Try to keep up. Um, So, we'll start off with probably the fan favorite car of the grid. So, uh, sorry, quickly, before we jump in, GT Daytona GT3, basically. That's exact, uh, pretty much exactly what they are. They are all GT3 cars um, in various guises uh, and just get given the GT Daytona name to compete, uh, to like tie back into 
the old Grand Am series. So, GT Daytona, uh, probably the fan favorite car in the field. Number nine, the PAF Motorsports uh, Porsche. This is the one that's in the beautiful Canadian plaid. Um, so, shout out to my Canadian buddies. Hashtag Jeb. Um, so, in this car, we have the Silvers, Zachary, pardon me, Zachary Robinson and uh Lars Robichon. Robichon, sorry sorry he must uh, be French. He, yeah he must be from the French part of Canada um so Zachary Robichon uh and Lars Kern so Robichon is the the faf guy basically Lars Kern of course the uh setter of the Nürburgring Nordschleife lap record at the seat of a GT2 RS uh and then add to that the two pro drivers in the car so another quick thing to note GT Daytona must have two bronze or silver drivers so two amateur drivers um and then so the two pro drivers in this car dennis olsen current international gt uh con con, intercontinental gt cup champion um with porsche and that's right and patrick pile who again was racing porsche gte at le mans so big names they basically squeezed three factory porsche drivers in with a super silver in that car. Yeah, that'd be it. Uh, and it's a very exciting news about this car. Uh, if we have, we're going to have a Reddit meetup and uh, Faf has been very generous in offering us a uh, little garage tour. Basically Ooh. means I, from what I've heard, um, you might get some free swag. You can take a closer look at the car. Uh, you potentially get to meet the drivers, get a, you know, closer look at the drivers. Um, so that, that's going to be fun. Nice. Uh, more time, uh, it's gonna be on the Friday. Um, the time, the time is not set, but we'll, um, have, I believe we'll have it in the meetup thread on r slash USCR when it gets confirmed. Nice. So yeah, if you're going over to the track, um, chuck your details in the RS USCR meetup thread and you'll get to meet one of our esteemed moderators, Syndrome24, who will do the, do the business of getting everything organized. Um, immediately off the bat, I think this car has a chance of winning. I agree. Yeah, easy as that. They were in the mix for the GTD Championship last year, um, and with Dennis Olsen, who was racing with that team last year as well, that car is going to be crazy. And Patrick Pillay, like, how how have Porsche squeezed three factory drivers into this car? I have no idea. It's ridiculous. Um, we'll move on uh, to the first of the Lamborghinis, Grasso Racing Team, or GRT Grasso Racing Team, sponsored by Orange One in the Huracan. Uh, this is the number 11 car of Richard Heistand, uh, Stein Schotthorst. I hope I got that right. Sorry for all the, the Dutch people in the audience if I got that wrong. Frank Pereira, uh, and Albert, Albert Costa. So Pereira is a factory, uh, Lamborghini driver. I've heard of Heistand and Schotthorst, but I'm not too sure on how good they are. I do recognize Richard Heistand and Stein Go Thorst? Okay, we. It's, it's, it's definitely. We're both going to be. We're both. It's definitely right. shot horse. It's definitely shot horse. Shot, shot horse? Okay. See, I'm American, so <laughs> I am very ignorant of international flavor. <laughs> uh, and, but, uh, Albert Costa, he did race with, I want to say, ML Frey with the Lamborghini Hurricane in International GT Open last year, and he did win a few share of races. So okay. that's definitely a very good pickup for that GRT team. Um, interesting to note that this car was the winning car from last year and it has none of the same drivers. So last year, this car had Bortolotti, Rick Broikers, Christian Engelhart, and Rolf Eichen. 
none of them in the GRT car this year. So it's a big changing of the guard for GRT and uh, it will be interesting to see how they go um, for this race at Daytona. Um, we'll jump on next two cars on the list are the pair of Aim Vassar Sullivan Lexus RCF GT3s. Um, in the number 12 car, you have Frankie Montecalvo, uh, Townsend Bell, Aaron Tielitz, and Shane Van Gisbergen as the Platinum driver. So I am going to be watching that car like a hawk because Van Gisbergen is one of my favorite drivers. So that's going to be sick. And Van Gisbergen was with the WeatherTech car when he previously did these did yes. the 24 in the past. Um, almost had a chance one year. They kind of dipped it in the grass a bit, contending for the win. Yep. Unfortunate. But Delexus, I think, has a very good chance. Delexus has won IMSA races before. It's not exactly a slow car. And you have, you know, Aaron Tielitz, which is a former Indy Lights guy. Um, he's not exactly that bad either. And Townsend Bell who is, I believe, the full-time dude for that team. Yes, and he Townsend Bell has won GTM at Le Mans, I think. Um, with, with the Ferrari. Yes, um, with Bill Sweeney, I think? Basically, basically right. Yeah, basically, they're good. Um, Bill Sweedler, thank you very much uh, in chat. Um, Monte Calvo was... A super silver last year. Aaron Tielitz as well, very, very good. Shane Van Gisbergen, if you haven't heard of Shane Van Gisbergen yet, you're, you've been living under a rock, so fix that. Um, he's just stepped out of a P2 car, actually, uh, at the bend, where he performed very admirably, but the car decided not to, um, which was a real shame. Um, but yeah, definitely, if you've not watched Shane Van Gisbergen drive, when he's in the car, you will be able to tell that there's that he's in the wheel because he is an absolute madman. Um, the other ambassador of Sullivan Lexus is uh, features Parker Chase and Jack Horsworth, um, who were the two drivers for the team last year. Um, Michael uh, De Casada uh, as the second silver, and then ready for the NASCAR memes, Kyle Busch in his first sports car race, I think ever. Let me just double check that for you. Okay, well if that's wrong, then I'm going to be wrong. But Kyle Busch is. Definitely a name for uh, the Americans in the audience. Of course, very, very big in NASCAR. Um, and yeah, he's so big that me who knows nothing about NASCAR knows Kyle Busch. And notice how he's labeled platinum. That's he is. Cup championships would do that for you. How many? Uh, two. Two sprint cups. Wow. If I, I find it ironic that the uh, the top level series of NASCAR is called the Sprint Cup when they do the longest races. Oh, quite outdated, Flood. Sprint was the sponsor. I think yeah, yeah. That. Uh, it's now, it was called the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, but now it's just called the NASCAR Cup Series. Lame. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was sponsored by Sprint. Uh, I just, yeah, thought it was funny. Um, okay, so how do we rate, firstly, how do we rate Kyle Busch's chances in a sports car field? Secondly, how do we rate the two cars against each other? Hmm. I think Kyle Busch would do just fine. Um, yep. The fact that he has won, I believe he's, he's won NASCAR road course races before. Um, not to mention that he is not a bad driver. He can have... Uh, might even get taken out of the podcast. He might have a dickish personality. <laughs> um, but, enemies. you know, he's he's kind of... yeah. He's, he's like the make an enemy guy. Um, but he's a very good driver. He has the talent. 
Um, and the fact that he has that Toyota ties for Joe Gibbs Racing, which that's why he's driving in a Lexus mm. here at the Rolex 24. And I think he's going to do just fine. I think he's going to probably, I think, he might do better than some of the guys in that team, like maybe Parker Chase, I believe, might be his first time racing in a Lexus. I remember huh. him racing Audis in the years past in the Pirelli World Challenge. And maybe Michael de Casada. I'm not too sure. Okay. I might be selling Michael de Casada a bit too short, though. He's might, probably pretty good. Might be just a little bit. Um, okay, so 12 versus 14. Who wins? Hmm. I'm going to have to go with... Drumroll? I think I'm going to go with the 14. Okay, well, I was going to go with the 12, so we can agree to disagree on that one. Um, we'll stick, keep going. 16 is Wright Motorsports Porsche 911 GT3. Um, Wright Motorsports... Uh, Former, well, raced in Pirelli World Challenge, which then became Blank Pan GT America, which is now going to become GT World Challenge America or something. Yep. Basically. Uh, so they did, I think, NAEC last year or whatever it's called now, um, and didn't quite get the results that they were looking for. Um, that car had Patrick Long and Christina Nielsen in it. Was it last year? It must have been two years ago. Um, but this year they have. Ryan Hardwick, Patrick Long, Anthony Imperatorio, Imper, bleh, Imperato, Anthony Imperato, and Klaus Backler. So a few um, American-based uh, Porsche factory drivers alongside Hardwick and Imperato. How do we rate those two out of the, the four? Uh, this is going to be some expert analysis from Chris Walsh in 97. They're not going to be the worst. They're not going to be the best. Yep, fair enough. Pretty middling. Nothing really exciting about that team, to be honest, which is kind of lame. But oh well, we'll we'll move on because we we are running a little bit behind. But that's okay. We'll catch up as we do. Um, this car number nineteen. This car is going to have a lot of interest around it. It's Gear Racing powered by GRT Grassa, um, in a Lamborghini Huracan. Now this is what the cat Acura has basically become. Um, so this is an all-female driver lineup. Uh, it's got Christina Nielsen and Catherine Legg as the full-season drivers. Adding to that, um, Tassie Calderon, who is racing, was racing Formula 2 last season. and She's now racing Asian Formula 3. Uh, okay. Since the Asian Formula 3 has a winter championship, so she's currently in that right now. Nice. Also, I believe she's racing this weekend at the Yas Marina circuit. Cool. That's pretty sick. Um, and then the fourth driver in that car is Rahel Frey, who was racing Kessel Ferrari this year. They took a podium on debut in the ELMS, um, this is, in a Ferrari, and they should have, they were in the fight for a Le Mans invite until a big crash at the start of the finale basically took them out of the race. But the Rahel Frey was very, very good in that car. Uh, they're going to have a lot of attention because of the fact that they're all female. Um, and they might not have the strongest driver lineup, but you've got IMSA stalwarts there of Christina Nielsen, Catherine Legg, who are very, very good drivers, if not, you know, Christina Nielsen's basically a super silver. Catherine Legg, I think she's very recently been upgraded to gold, um, but they are both very, very good drivers. Yeah, what are your thoughts? So I think the weakest link is going to be Calderon. Yep. Um, not really too much um, improvements from what I've seen in Formula 2, um, in a pretty less than 20 cars in the grid for Formula 3, I think she only maybe broke the top 10 once or twice. Um, Rahel Frey is a very uh, 
she she is pretty good as well. I believe she won the GT4 class at the 24 Hours of Dubai, either oh, nice. this year or in years past. Um, and she also, I believe, races full-time in an Audi in the ADAC GT Masters. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, and, of course, yeah, with her racing in Kessel, racing is where I know her from, and I've seen very good things from her. So, 19... It'll be it'll be interesting to see how their pace matches up against some of the other cars in the field. Do you reckon they've got a shot at a race win? I I like to say they they can. I mean, we've seen Christina Nilsson and Catherine Legg deal it out with the drivers that we see on the entry list. You know, you know overall, and they've done pretty good for themselves. It's just the the Calderon and Rahel Frey are kind of like I think Rahel Rahel Frey would better match up. She might be not as strong. Um, Calderon, when she's in the car, I don't think she's going to be as competitive. But yep. when Christina Nielsen and Blake is in, is in the car, I think they're just going to be as competitive as anybody else in this field. Uh, interesting note from chat. Alex, 21, 21, 21, 20, 20, 20, 21, is saying that Frey will be the fastest in the car. And you know what? I reckon it will be close. Uh, I, I, I think, I think you might be underselling Frey just a little bit there. But I, but personally, for me, the overall quality of that car is not at the same level as some of the other cars. Like, it's all good to have one or two good drivers, but, you know, some of these cars have four good drivers in them. Like, we talked about Paf Motorsport basically having four pros in the car so it's going to be i'll keep i'll definitely be keeping track of them but i'm not sure that they're going to be up at the pointy end when it counts um we'll crack on uh 23 heart of racing aston martin vantage the first time we've had aston martins racing um with the new vantage in gt3 spec outside of europe i think no that's a lie asian one series has advantage gt3 never mind me first time in america uh, first time in inter competition, uh, and first time since I think three or four years ago as well. Um, so heart of racing team. This has Ian James, Roman DeAngelis, Alex Riberas, uh, which is a very interesting pickup, and then Nikki Team uh, as the platinum in that car. So huge, 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 huge car. Well, huge driver for that team. Where do we? What about uh, Ian James and Roman DeAngelis? What, what do we expect from those guys? I think Ian James races a Panos GT4 in the SRO Americas Championship. Um, and uh, you said Roman DeAngelis. He, I believe he might have been double champion. I think it was champion of one of the two Porsche Cup uh, series, either the United States or Canada last year. Okay. Um, so interesting move to jump up from the Porsche Cup car to the Aston Martin GT3 into a team that's, I believe, helped ran by uh, Gabe Newell, the founder of Steam. Oh, nice. I Yeah, that now that you say that, that sounds familiar. Heart of Racing. There you go. Um, Nicky Team, though, he's going to be the one carrying the team, though, isn't he? Like, him and Roberos. Yeah. I, I don't think... I'm not going to sell uh, Roman DeAngelis too short because he, he's kind of like the cream of the crap. Mm. So I, I can't wait to see how he does with the, um, the, the, the GT3. I hope he impresses. Nice. Um, do we see them contending for a race win? I think they're going to be kind of... Ma- I think they could break top. Okay. Um, someone in the chat, uh, Johannes has said, um, seems like an inconsistent balance of talent, which I think probably uh, sums up this car pretty nicely. Um, so, yeah, a, a bit of an unknown aspect there and then a very, very, very quick known in that car. Um, we'll move on to another fan favorite in the grid, which has gone a bit of a, uh, a facelift or a, a, a mask change, so to speak. So number 44, which of course, if you've followed IMSA for a while, is 
the number for the Magnus team car. Um, they are being run by GRT now. Um, so they're in a Lamborghini sponsored by Flexbox. Flexbox. Um, so hopefully we'll still have the Magnus stream going again because that's always an absolute hoot. Um, sad news. It oh. won't. Oh, no. Uh, Sean Heckman, I believe, who was PR for the team, uh, I think he stepped down. Oh. oh, I can't remember what happened, but I think he was mainly focusing on his dinner with racers. Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and speaking of dinners with racers, uh, this car has Spencer Pompelli in it, which I'm pretty sure is the other half of dinner with racers. Is that right? Nope. No, no. Oh. no. Spencer Pompelli killed the guy. It's an inside joke of Dinner with Racers. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, oh, Ryan, right. Ryan Eversley. Ryan Eversley. Yeah, the there we go. Um, so Spencer Papelli is associated, so I didn't mess that part up. Um, and then it's got the normal uh, Magnus suspects of John Potter and Andy Lally. And then adding to that, uh, a GRT factory man, Marco Mapelli. So uh, an interesting mix of USA and Italy. Uh, how do we rate the modern Magnus? I think I think it's going to do good. Do do we see them scaling the lofty heights of 2016 yet again? Um, maybe not. I think they can get a top five though. Yeah, I I think that's that's achievable. Remember in 20, 2016, they had Rene Rast in the car, and he absolutely. Uh, I think it was Rene Rast and um, who was the other driver that they had? I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, Rene Rast. He was the uh, market. The- was it um? One of the uh, Marcus Winkelhock? I think I think it wasn't Winkelhock because they made jokes about it not being Winkelhock in their other trailer that they did. By the way, um, if you haven't seen uh, Magnus Racing in the past, have done like tra- Mark, 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 Marco Siegfried. There we go. Yeah, the that was German. Right. Yeah, has a name starts with M. Um, so they, they have, they've done trailers in the past for their attempts at the Rolex 24. Um, and the year that they won, they did like a Lego one, which was hilarious, but got wiped off the internet as soon as it, as they won because it got way too much attention. Lego was like, mm, you can't do that. But they made references to it in their next one, which was a few years later. So definitely check that one out because it's a, it's a bit of a laugh. So. I think they even got Jason Statham or a Jason Statham uh, sound alike to narrate it to make it sound like Truth in 24 as well. So um, Magnus Racing, a lot of fun. One of the favorites in the IMSA paddock. Top five would be a really, really cool result for them. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, number, 50, uh, number 47, Precision Performance Motorsports in a Lamborghini. Two unnamed drivers. The two drivers that are named are a pair of silvers. Brandon Godovic. Godovic, Godovic, yep. Godovic uh, and Eric Lux. I know nothing about this team. I know nothing about these drivers, and I have nothing to contribute. Uh, I know Brandon Godovic. Uh, he is. I think I don't think he does NASCAR stuff anymore. I did. He he raced in the NASCAR or nowadays in the Arco East series, um, and he also did a few NASCAR Xfinity series races. And if I remember correctly, uh, he also. Comp- is a Lamborghini Super Trofeo world champion. Oh, oh, well, there you go. That's that's pretty cool. That's that's really cool, actually. The thing is, though, with no pros listed in the car, it's hard to give an accurate representation of where that car should be. Um, so, yeah, we kind of just have to keep going past that uh, without really giving too much more on that. I'm sorry, I have no idea what's what's happening. I don't think anyone knows what's happening. We'll move on. Uh, number 48, uh, Lamborghini Huracan. This is Paul Miller Racing. This is one of the, like, 
top teams in GTD in years past, um, which unfortunately had their driver lineup completely split apart last year through driver rating shenanigans that wasn't FIA-based, but IMSA-based. It was stupid. Yeah, IMSA-based. Yeah. yeah. Very, very dumb. Um, basically, they elevated Madison Snow from silver to gold, only in IMSA, and that basically meant that they couldn't run the team because then they would have had two gold drivers. But now he's been put back to silver, it's all fine. So Madison Snow, Brian Sellers are your two main series drivers. Adding to that, Corey Lewis, um, who you made mention of earlier. I can't remember why, but you definitely mentioned his name earlier. And then Andrea Candle... No, I made... Uh, Ryan Lewis was racing the P2. I mistook his name. That's all right. It was a different Lewis. Um, and then adding to that, uh, Lamborghini factory driver, Andrea Caldarelli, which I actually discovered last year, um, is married to everyone's favorite um, Blank Pen GT Europe. Oh, yeah, Dakota. Uh, yeah, uh, presented Dakota. So that was very interesting. But yeah, um, Formula Racing... This car is a race contender. This car is a championship contender. This car could win. It's oh, easy it's as always that. been with the, the magic pair of Snow and Sellers. It's been magic between those two. Um, I think what was it? Twenty? Yeah, be twenty eighteen. They were yeah. up there for the championship. Um, did they, I think they won the championship in the end because it was between them and um Nielsen. Mike, no, I think it was my Michael Shank racing. Um, because that was oh, the year that Cap- right. Catherine Leg was in. in the car. Yep, they did win that year. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was the that was the year that they won, and they it, it was like Snow and Sellers versus Parente and Leg, and it just came down to the absolute wire, and it was awesome. Um, so definitely forty eight should be a car to watch. Uh, do you reckon top three? Uh, yeah, I reckon top three. Nice. Hopefully, we don't um fix uh put more than three cars in that top three. Um, apparently, people are saying in the chat that uh, Calderelli was also last year's Blank Pain champion as well. So. That's a very impressive pickup for the team to to slot him into the mix into a car that's already so strong. Cool. We'll snap on to one of my favorite cars on the grid. It's great to see this car back, actually, and this team back. Uh, number 54, Black Swan Racing in a Porsche 911 GT3 R. So um, just to fill in a bit of a blank here in the story, uh, Black Swan Racing is uh, run and funded by a guy called Tim Pappas. Uh, last year at the Bathurst 12 hour, he had a massive accident, uh, in one of the early practice sessions, uh, where he went basically backwards into the chase at about 300 kilometers per hour, destroyed the rear of the Porsche 911 GT3, rear of the car lit on fire, and, uh, Pappas suffered, I think it was a broken pelvis. Um, and so we took the decision to sit out racing for a year to, you know, get back onto his feet, lit- quite literally, uh, and then focus on his business interests for a little while. Um, but it's great to see him back. Pappas is going to be back in the car, and with him is going to be uh, Jerome Blekemolen and Sven Mueller, uh, and a silver driver, Trenton Estep, who I've never heard of before. Um, uh, Trenton Estep was in a co- uh, competition for the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA Championship last year. Okay, so he's won this drive through the competition last year? Uh, no, they just picked him up. That's all right. Um, see, the thing is, though, in the past, that car has had, like, Mark Lieb or someone of that caliber in the car. So it's a bit of a, a maybe a trade down. But still, Jerome Blekemolen, who normally races with Riley, with Ben Keating and Felipe Fraga, um, not sure why he's not racing there, but we'll probably get... Uh, a bit more info on that later. 
Yeah, and he did win the 24 Hours of Dubai, quote-unquote 24 Hours. 24 Hours. In a Mercedes two weeks ago. Yeah, um, the the much maligned, rained out 24 Hours of Dubai. I saw photos of that event where the the pit lane was flooded. It was, that was terrifying. Um, but yeah, so... Jerome Blackmore, very, very good driver. Sven Mueller, I mentioned earlier as the, uh, one of the drivers in the young Porsche that raced at Le Mans. Um, so him, Dennis Olsen, and Matteo Jaminet. So, um, he's definitely no scrub. I honestly think this could be a top five contender. I mean, keep in mind when Magnus won in 2016, I believe Black Swan were either second or third chasing them. Nice. So that's that's really really cool. And Pappas is, as well as a bronze is a very very good driver. I'm unsure about what happens with um a step, but I guess we will see what happens. Um, again, we'll push on. Uh, Heinrich Racing with MSR Curb Agajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajajaj
Along in that car is Tony Vilander, who's the normal full season pro, um, Jess, Jeff Westfall as the second AM, and then Alessandro Balzan uh, as the second pro. That is a seriously scary lineup. Obviously, Cooper McNeil is the only guy who's like, eh. but yeah, it's a very, very steady lineup. Um, I think it has a chance for a top five. And if I, if I presume, I haven't t- took a look at the Ferrari Challenge entry list yet. I don't even think they're up. Um, Cooper McNeil might do double duty as the Ferrari Challenge North America season openers also on Daytona weekends. We might see okay. Cooper McNeil racing in two different Ferraris. Nice. Um, as much as we like to crap on McNeil for his constant complaints of BOP and then switching chassis and then still complaining about BOP, um, he is quite a quick driver behind the wheel. Uh, and his combination with Verlander yielded definite success in years past. Um, so 63 could be a top five contender, I think, um, especially with Balzan in the mix as well. What do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd say top five. Yeah. Uh, next hour on the entry list is number 74. This is the Riley Motorsports Mercedes. Normally, uh, this car would have Ben Keating and Jerome Bleakamolan at the wheel. However, there has been some level of well, not some level of mix-up, because because Keating is committed to the PR1 Matheson drive as well, this car has kind of taken a back seat in terms of Keating Motorsports. And in fact, because Keating is also doing full-time WEC, I don't think he's committing to full-time IMSA as well. So this car uh, has a bit of a different lineup in it. Um, so it's got Ben Keating as the bronze, um, Gar Robinson as the silver, Felipe Fraga, who was recently upgraded to gold, is also in this car, normally drives with Keating as well, and then Lawson Ashenback uh, as the other gold. Um, honestly, to me, that doesn't look as strong as uh, a normal Keating or Riley Motorsports lineup. No, and the fact that um, you have Gar Robinson, I believe this is his first, or one of his first GT3 appearances, because Gar Robinson um, races TA2? Okay. Uh, yep, I don't yep. know exactly either Trans Am or Trans Am Two. Yeah. Um. So he this is his first kind of start first step trying to get his feet wet into prestigious endurance racing. Of course, lost Nostra back a huge history. I first remember him from racing, you know, um, Camaros back in the Pirelli World Challenge when that was a when that was huge for um, you know, GT4 stuff and you know so. It's going to be interesting to see how Aschenbach faces against with this uh, GT3 team. And I think it's going to be interesting that uh, Aschenbach and Fraga are the pros in the team. So, especially Felipe Fraga, who's new to being the pro in the team, you, you kind of have to be the leader on setup and on taking the responsibility of driver time. You can't really sit back and just hand it off to the, the Platinum like you can when you're a Super Silver. So, I, I think the responsibility might get a bit too big for them in the 74. Um, we'll move on to the sister Acura. Um, so, this is the second of the Maya Shank Racing with Kerb. Um, Acura NSXs. Uh, this has got uh, in the car Mario Fanbucker, as we mentioned, last year's GTD champion, along with uh, Trent Heinemann. Uh, also, Matt McMurray. Uh, and then uh, I'll, I'll say the name I recognize first, Jules Gunon, who's a current Bentley factory driver. And then uh, Shinya Michimi um, from Japan, who have never heard of in my life. Have you got any idea on um, Shinya Michimi? Um, judging from what I've seen, he did race Super Taiku last year, also uh, Super GT. 
Yep. Um, and it it's saying here that he did race last year in GT. In in the twenty four hours of Daytona. I rode Atlanta. Oh, okay. Petite. Yep. Oh, interesting. How do they go at Petite? Have you got that on hand? Tenth. That's actually. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's like halfway through the field, so not great. But, um, at least that's uh, he, he apparently he did the fastest lap. We're getting info in chat, so that's actually a pretty pretty good pickup then. Um, for them, uh, how do you rate this car versus the sister Acura NSX though? Oh, I think the the fifty sevens could be stronger. Yeah, I think that's a pretty concise um assessment of this car um versus the sister car. The thing is though, Jules going on is a really, really good driver and I reckon he would do really, really well. He's just in the wrong car um for for his chances. Um I reckon if you swapped him and Almendinger, I reckon that would make fifty seven a much stronger car. But eh, it's still alright. Next, we jump into the only Audi in the field. Um, there was only a few years ago where we had a, a litany of Audis through the field, but now this is the only one in the field for Daytona. This is the number 88 WRT Speedstar Audi Sport Car. So if you're familiar with WRT over in Europe, this is this uh, run by the same sort of team. Um, in this car, you have Mirko Bortolotti, Rolf Eniken, Daniel Murad, and Dries Vantor. Now, if you recalled earlier me talking about the Grasser Racing Team that won here last year, you might recognize that there's a few of the same sort of names, uh, particularly Rolf Eniken and Mirko Bortolotti. Uh, so they've, they're coming off, obviously, a win at this race last year. Um, Daniel Morad has definitely raced here before. I believe he raced here as the amateur for Land Motorsport. And then Dries Vantor, everyone has heard of Dries Vantor nowadays, uh, the younger brother of uh, Lawrence. He's won GTM at Le Mans. He's won Blank Pan GT Europe races. I'm pretty sure he has either a Spa 24 or another IGTC victory somewhere. Um, it may have even been at Bathurst. Yeah, it was at Bathurst. Um, yeah, where they got red flagged. Exactly. Um, so it's it's definitely a strong lineup, and this would be maybe... The last one I'd put into that, if they don't finish on the podium, something has gone wrong, sort of bracket. I think so, yeah. This is definitely going to be a top five thing for me, too. Interesting that they've swapped drivers, uh, well, they've swapped cars uh, for an Icon and Bortolotti from the uh, Lamborghini to the Audi. Do you have any idea why they might have done that? Honestly, no clue. Well, I, I mean, I guess the only thing I can think of is that the Audi and the Lamborghini are built on exactly the same platform. So I think almost literally everything except the engine and drivetrain in a Lamborghini Huracan is an Audi R8 uh, and the bodywork, obviously. Um, so it's it's kind of like, you know, Tom Christensen going into a Bentley Speed 8 for Le Mans in 2003. It's basically the same, um, you know, just a different shell over the top. So I guess, I guess Audi have just kind of plucked them out. And especially with, w, uh, with, sorry, GRT, um, putting in a partnership with Magnus, I think they might have had less seats as well. So yeah, uh, I guess that's why they've made that switch. Definitely a car to watch though. Um, the number 88. Uh, I think them along with the nine and who was the other car that we said? Uh, the, uh, the, ooh, the number 48, I reckon those are going to be your big three, um, for the race win. Uh, we've got two cars left on the entry list. First car of those is the only BMW M6 in the field. This is the Turner Motorsport sponsored by Liqui Moly, um, BMW. 
of uh, Robbie Foley, Jens Kligman, Bill Orbelin, and Dylan McCavan. So Bill Orbelin is BMW through and through. Jens Kligman, BMW factory driver, also just recently raced at the bend. Um, Robbie Foley and Dylan McCavan. I'm not as familiar with those two names, so do your best to fill in the blanks for me, Chris. Uh, Robbie Foley has been on the team for a while. He's kind of like the AM guy. Yep. Um, and Dylan McCavern has raced in the Michelin Pilot Challenge last year, I believe. Uh, I think probably with a B. So he's making the step up from uh, NPC to the main game, basically. Yep. Nice. Um, how do you rate their chances? Turner is kind of a a bit of a or maybe maybe not sort of team. Sometimes they can have really really good results, but they also get involved in a lot of crap. Um, during the races, don't they? Well, from I think from what I remember, um, they won Petit. Oh um, wow! Last year, um, but that was obviously not as strong as a field as we have at Daytona. So I think I, I think they might, they might uh, be. I don't think they're going to be stunning. I think I don't think they're going to be top three material with the, how much we have in the field. But I don't think they're they're not they're going to be top ten. Okay, yeah, so solidly middling, we'd say then. Yep. Solidly middling. Um, and then the last car on the entry list, this is the Aston Martin Racing, sponsored by Northwest Aston Martin Vantage. So this is the 98. Now, if you follow uh, other sports car racing around the world, particularly WEC, you might recognize this as the Pedro Della Lama machine. Um, oh, sorry, not Pedro Della Lama. Paul Della Lama machine. Um, but... He has unfortunately had to pull out of the event after a skiing incident in which he hurt some part of his body. Um, I'm pretty sure it was uh, a rib injury. I'm just trying to find a a confirmation on that. While you're looking for that, I'll name the driver that will take his place. Um, Andrew Watson has been named today. Um, This has been breaking news about 12 hours ago. Um, that he will replace Dalalana in that car. Yep. So Watson, he's been racing in Garage 59 over in Europe. Uh, I think he's got some very, very good results in the Pro-Am category over there. He's basically a Super Silver as well. So that's a great, um, great pickup. Uh, basically an upgrade from a bronze to a, a silver there for the Aston Martin racing team. Um, so... Yes, Dalalana was injured in a, a skiing incident, uh, is the thing. So he was unfortunately had to pull out of the event. Um, but, uh, the car, the rest of the team is going to stay the same. So it's Matthias Lauder as the second silver. So they'll be running with Watson and Lauder as the two bronze drivers. Um, factory, uh, factory Aston Martin, Ross Gunn as the gold. Um, recently upgraded. He's been racing as a silver in the 98 car and WEC competition this year is also the pro at D station racing in the Asian Le Mans series that was just at the bend and Pedro Lamy as the platinum of course if you've watched any of the 98 racing Pedro Lamy is the gun also formerly raced Peugeot LMP1 back in the day and even had a bit of a swing at Formula One now this is this is a serious car I think this is a serious contender um and I would put it as my fourth entry into the if they don't get a podium something has gone wrong uh sort of list so that is i reckon this is going to be up there what about you what do you think Hmm. i think top six top six okay don't you think they can scale the lofty heights to the top of the podium 
I don't feel like... Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I could convince you. Okay, so we got to the end of the entry list. Um, give me your top three. Your top three in any particular order. Okay, so Faf. Faf number nine? Yep, the 48. Uh, that's Paul Miller Racing. Correct. And uh, WRT. The number 88 car. Yeah, like, you basically said the same three that I was going to say. I would only maybe add the number 98 into the list just as an outside. The thing is, though, that's going to be the first time the Aston's raced at Daytona as well. So that's the thing I'm a little iffy about. But yeah, basically, 948 and 88 are... I wouldn't quite say clearly the best driver lineups and teams, but they are marginally the best driver lineups and teams. We've got someone in the chat saying maybe the 96 as well. Turner, eh, I don't quite have the same belief in Turner Motorsports based on their kind of haphazard results and lack of overall quality. Like, they don't have a, a big name driver like a... Um, like a, you know, Patrick Pile or someone that they've got in the team that can really anchor them. So it, it'll be it'll be a surprise if Turner wins. Any other comments you have on the GTD field before we start to wrap up? Not really. I think we're just I think we're just in for fantastic. It'll be pretty cool. I'm I'm really excited. Daytona is always the sort of the start of the motors the endurance racing calendar. Like as much as there's um like the 24 hours of Dubai and the golf 12 hours and like more recently asian lawn series that i've gotten into the the 24 hours of daytona for me is always the big the first real big one of the year um so for me it sort of sort of kicks off the season so i'm excited for that um so that brings us to the end of the entry list um we do still have a few things to touch on firstly uh i want to touch on the fact that it is only 39 entries which is a significant decrease in what we've seen in the past. So last year, we had 47 entries across four classes. Year before that, it was 50. Year before that, it was 55. Um, so it's an eight-card decrease. Some of that has, of course, happened through the end of the Nissan DPI program, the downsizing of the DPI programs for Cadillac, and uh, the loss of two cars for Ford uh, in GT Le Mans. But I want to pose this question for you, Chris. Uh, is this a worrying sign for IMSA competition uh, that we are only in year three of the new DPI formula and everything that's come with that and we're starting to suffer this drop in entries? I think it doesn't help that the roar has decided to become mandatory because before then you could take part of the test and if you weren't at the test, you could still join in the race. Um, now that it's kind of mandatory that you have to be in the roar, I guess they're trying to say is like this race is big. We want it to be big. Uh, we want it to kind of like implicate Lamar. But um, if entries continue to continue to drop, I mean, I would like to see them take the restriction off the roar testing because when you have the roar testing, you're limiting teams who, you know, now regardless, they might have not they might have the money anyway to do it. But you could do Dubai and Daytona because Dubai is sort of around that time where they have to like start getting stuff ready. Because that's that's the weekend after, um, and it just just limits teams from Europe and all that stuff who maybe could, could get their cars in time from you know maybe the Gulf twelve hours, uh, 
Mm. Think about the Kyalami nine hours from, you know, it's going to be in like November. So uh, if, uh, if it continues to drop next year, I think they need to, remo- they need to remove the restriction from, for the rotor testing. Well, the thing is, the, the stuff you're talking about in GTD, uh, well, in, for the GT3 cars, that's really only relevant to GTD. And I mean, GTD has had a bit of a drop in entries. We've got what, how many GTD cars last year? had just over 20 we had 22 gtd cars so that's that's a drop of four cars but it's still an 18 car grid what about more so like dpi and what's mm. going on there so the thing the thing yeah i think the testing the mandatory testing i mean i do understand why they have it they want to you know restrict the sandbagging as much as possible yep um but it's just, I mean, I just, I just don't want to see like a twenty-four car grid, you know, for Daytona. Yeah, and it, and not saying it's going to trend that way, but you know, we've gone from, uh, what was it last year? We had eleven DPI cars, and then this year it's only eight. Um, you know, we've lo- we're losing losing cars left, right, and center, and as we tend towards more DPI two, whenever that comes in, it's slated for twenty twenty two. You know, we're unlikely to see any more health in that class lmp2 is really just a prop series for that race at this point um and gtlm is suffering its own issues uh is and talking less so about daytona and more so about imsa in general is is there is there a reason to be worried if you're an imsa fan i don't think so Uh, because well for the rolex 24 itself you're looking at when you take a look at the interest, sure, sure, there's a drop, but you're looking at more teams who can win. You're not looking at the interest and half the fields like, yeah, they don't even have a chance at a podium. Most, if not all, I would even dare to say, they have a chance. Yep, things can go right for them. It's not like the cars are, you know, so bad that you know they, they, they you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, seconds off the pace. These, these cars are there. They're going to be fighting for positions in the race. They're not going to be miles off the pace. So I think that's the one good thing about it is that all 39 cars that we have, they're, they're decent. They're going to be pretty good. That's actually a really good call. Um, I think especially in, uh, DPI with, with the, the concentration of factory cars, I think there's maybe one car that might not be able to win. And that's probably the banana boat. Sorry, banana boat fans. Um, just simply because it doesn't have the driver talent. But yeah, you make a really, really good point. The the quality in the field is still there, and I think that's still a very important part. It would be nice to see 50-plus grids, 55-plus grids, but if it's just a bunch of people making up the numbers, then it's almost, you know, especially if we get inclement weather and it, uh, and then we suffer problems like we saw in 2017, um, it, you're basically turning it into a... a uh, like a, a Dodgem car fest, uh, mobile chicanes, basically. Um, so yeah, that's, a, that's actually a very, very good point. I, I was going into this discussion thinking that maybe there is reason to be concerned, but yeah, you've done a good job in quelling my concerns on that. Um, if it, yeah, I think you're right though. If it does start to go downhill again, I think there might be alarm bells going. And we've got Super Sebring weekend coming up in a month or so's time after this so it'll be interesting to see how many of the cars that do daytona continue on to do sebring as well um and i think 
Oh, we just got to have a quick chat about the raw if we've got a chance. Um, do you have any data on the raw in front of you? Uh, nope, not at all. Not at all. Okay, we'll we'll forget about the raw. Basically, the only thing I want to mention about the raw is that they have a qualifying session for pit allocation. Oh, yes, and that Lamborghini got this, all the Lamborghinis. Or most of that all got disqualified. Yes, so that was that was the big ticket news in GTD. So all the Lamborghinis are at like the arse end of pit lane which is not great for them um but more important to overall honors the mazda dpi again topped the session um with another unofficial lap record um so they will they are at least looking on one lap pace very very quick and i think you made mention that the acura team penske dpi has got a bop hit for the race as well so it'll be interesting to see how that affects the racing come uh come next saturday it starts well next sunday for me next saturday for you guys yeah so we are at the end of our first episode of 2020 our first episode of season five so chris i just want to say a quick thank you to you for um coming along on this journey with us again um your Obscure racing insight is invaluable, and I hope that never changes. <laughs> I, I hope so too. Otherwise, I don't know why I'd be. I, 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 otherwise, I wouldn't be known. I'd be known for. It. Uh, it'd be, or you've you've definitely carved out a niche that none of us can fill because we just don't have that time or effort to to go into all the crazy little series that you do. Um, just quickly. Uh, also on this weekend at Daytona is a four hour Michelin pilot challenge race. So that's a big, that's their big race of the season as well. So if you're into Mm -hmm. the IMSA ladder, um, check that one out. Um, from all accounts, Michelin pilot challenge last year was one of the series to watch up there with ELMS. Mm -hmm. So it's a very good series. It's GT4s and TCRs and, uh, 49 car grid. If that gets to do a lot. Yeah, that that is a lot. And there's a, a, a few big names as well. We'll just have a quick, a quick little dip into the entry list. Um, I'm looking at the GT4 entry list now, and I'm seeing guys like Indy uh, Donche, uh, Trent Heinemann doing double duty. Um, there's also Kuno Whitmer, who was racing, I think, the Dodge GTLM from a few years ago. Uh, Austin Sindrick, uh, who would be, uh, who's, uh, of, Penske denomination. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what other drivers can you quickly see that are, are big names in that list? Let's see. Uh, Corey Lewis, uh, also doing double duty. Yep. Um, Sebastian Prio, uh, Andy Prio's son, is also oh, wow. racing with Austin Sindrick with Multimatic. Um, Scott Maxwell, who's kind of like a Multimatic dude, he also raced a British GT in the GT4 class last year as well. Um, the 22 car is a very big car for American motorsports. This is NASCAR Xfinity Series driver Chase Briscoe and NASCAR KNN or now now uh, Arca Menards West Series race winner Haley Deegan. Um, yes, that is a female. Um, huh. Very pretty talented. She is known for very aggressive moves on the racetrack. <laughs> I think both of her wins in the Arca Menards West Series. She kind of that punted, but she she moved the leader out of her way. <laughs> Let's just to say that. Brilliant. Um, Spencer Pompelli in the thirty-one car racing in that's the Audi R8 GT4. Yep. So uh, doing said Jerome, Jerome Blakemuller yep, as well. Blake, yep. 
Jeff Westfall. Another one doing double duty. Yeah. Um, I think that's all the guys doing double duty in G. Oh, well, there's another page of GT4. Damn. Damn. Oh, yeah. There's Philip Ellis. Um, I believe he's a, he is an Audi GT4 driver. Um, but now racing with the Mercedes. Okay. Um, so I think he started off with Audis. Now he's in a Mercedes GT4. Yep. Um, there's also Turner Motorsports uh, doing double duty, both Robbie Foley and Bill Orblum. So they're um, pulling double duty in the weekend in a BMW M4 GT4. Um, a quick look at the um, GT- TCR Ooh. races. There's also uh, Robin Liddell and Andrew Davis, former Stevenson Motorsport guys. Ah, oh, yes. I remember those guys back in the, the Audi with the big eagle on the side of them. Oh, yep. Yep. Um, I'm just gonna have a quick look at, G- at TCR because the name that's jumped out at me is Alexander Premer, who uh is a French driver, raced Audi LMP1 back in the day, and has recently been making waves in V8 supercars as a co-driver. Won Bathurst the 1000 last year with uh Scott McLaughlin. So good to see Frenchie in something different for a change. And uh, another interesting driver lineup I'm seeing is um Gabby Chavez and Ryan Norman. Indie Lights guy. Oh, nice. So they're that- in a Hyundai Veloster and TCR, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I can also see Ryan Eversley on the list as well in the 77 Honda Civic. Uh, and I think that is the last name that jumps out at me um, in the TCR. Uh, Shelby, Shelby Blackstock. Um, Reba McIntyre. Nice. Cool. So and Chris Miller also doing double duty. Cool. Uh, so there's definitely a smattering of names you would recognize in that uh, entry list. So that's a four-hour race on the Friday um, for Michelin Pilot Challenge, um, filling out the support bill. Uh, Michelin Pilot Challenge last year, as I made mention, Cookie called it one of the series to watch. So uh, if it's anything like that, the quality will be very, very high and the racing will be very, very good. Um, so give that a watch. Uh, Chris... You're off on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, that's when you fly. Uh, I leave Wednesday. I Wednesday. leave early Wednesday morning. Uh, thank you, public transit. Um, I take a I take a public bus from Green Bay to Chicago, and then I take a train to the airport. Uh, I'm I'm telling you too much information, so if you know where to find me, I can't. A- <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna just dox yourself on the internet. Um, uh. Chris is going to be there. There's also going to be uh, Cookie Monster and Syndrome as well, if you want to catch up with some of the mods. And there's also going to be a big Reddit meetup. I think you made mention of like the big group house that they do with a bunch of the guys, I think, over on Reddit Racing. Think, yep, and the, the FAF Motorsport like, Garage Tour, that's going to be another one of our Reddit meetups. I think that's yeah. going to be one of the, uh, yeah, the pinups we do over the... Yeah, so... If you're if you're listening and you're gonna be at the track in Daytona, get involved. Um, it's always like very recently I was at the Asian One Series at the Bend. Put more faces to names of people that I've only seen as usernames, and for me, it's always a very very cool experience to get to meet the people behind the usernames and get to talk to them about what they got, why they got into it, and what makes them enjoy it. And um, and just to to interact, uh, it, it kind of reminds me that I'm interacting with people. And not just names. Um, so it's it's going to be... Yeah, if you're going to be at the track, it'll be really, really cool if you get involved and take a big group photo and share it on the sub because we'd love to see it. Um, that brings us to the very end. Thank you very much, Chris, for your, for your efforts this evening. Or, yeah, this evening for you. 
Yeah, you'd be correct. <laughs> uh, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you to the guys in the live chat. Um, if you want to get involved in the live chat, uh, jump onto the r slash WEC Discord server. Um, what we'll do, what we'll start doing now is that we'll give um, people who have a specific role a ping, so that way you can jump in and have a listen if it's convenient for you. Um, and also, hopefully, by the time this goes live, we may be also up on Spotify, if I can work that out as well. So you'll be able to listen to us even easier. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for coming along for Season 5. Um, glad you haven't got sick of us yet. Uh, and hopefully that doesn't change anytime soon. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm Michael Zalavari. Peace out. My voice is fucked. My voice isn't. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, I, about halfway through that podcast, I could just feel like my throat closing because I, I went for a hike this morning. So I literally got home and then like filled up a glass of water and sat down uh, to start the podcast. So like I haven't even like showered or laid down or anything yet. So doing stinky boy, stinky boy recording.